And we are on air right now for our Fan for Racing Radio. This is Monday night, March the 20th. Uh, we are talking Atlanta, NASCAR Race Review, and our Hot Topic Sound Off tonight. Now, in our first half hour, we will start with the latest short track news and updates from the Arca Menards, the Arca East, and the Arca West Series. And then we review our NASCAR Truck and Xfinity Series races at Atlanta Motor Speedway at the top of the hour. Then, uh, at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, our guest, Arca driver Tanner Reif, will be joining us. Uh, he's from Loudon Jackson Motorsports, and we're going to be talking about his win out at Phoenix Raceway a week or so ago. Now, afterward, we will review the NASCAR Cup Series race at Atlanta, and we'll end this episode with our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing crew, and it sounds like we've got a full house once again tonight. So joining me shortly is our co-host for tonight, and that is Sal Segala. Uh, hopefully he will be calling in soon here. Uh, I'll send him a little note just to remind him um, so that uh, he can come on the show with us. So, okay, so uh, with that, uh, let's go ahead and get started with some of the short track news that we have from today. Uh, there's uh, quite a bit. And I'm going to start with the dirt track racing uh, news that we have here. Uh, let me pull up my notes here. Okay, now Friday's planned World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series race at Williams Grove Speedway was called off this week because of rain. So they posted that over at theworldofoutlaws.com if you want to know uh, more about that. Uh, but a poor forecast also squelched a planned Lucas Oil late model series race this weekend out at uh, Atomic Speedway and Brownstone Speedway. So um, let's see. Uh, and even more cancellations this weekend. The World of Outlaws uh, late model series races at Boyd Speedway and Smoky Mountain Speedway as well. So uh, really sad uh, to hear that those races were uh, postponed. So uh, we'll hopefully uh, get more information on that as uh, time goes on here as far as when. I, actually, you can go to theworldofoutlaws.com or lucasdirt.com and find out when those races are rescheduled for. Okay, moving on to short track racing. Uh, the South Boston Town Council has denied a rezoning request that would have added a residential area next to South Boston Speedway. Uh, Matt Reaver writes about that over at Short Track Scene if you'd like to read more about that. Uh, checking back and forth to see if Sal is here yet. Uh, I don't see him as of yet, so we'll keep uh, looking for that. And then, um, let's see here. Uh, also, penalties were issued, and we talked a little bit about this last week. Penalties were issued to Bubba Pollard and uh, Boris Dukovic after their altercation at Five Flags Speedway on March the 11th. Matt Weaver, again, writes about that if you want to read more about it over at Short Track Scene. Uh, we did talk about it briefly 
on our radio show last Thursday. Uh, but the race itself was nothing short of memorable. Again, Matt Weaver talks about that race over at Short Track Scene. And there are some official results from the St. Patrick's Day 150 at Hickory Motor Speedway. That race was won by Cole Butcher, and uh, you can read about that over at Racing America. So, And then they also take a look back at that ASA Stars National Tour opener over at Racing America as well. So uh, definitely uh, check those out. Uh, I want to uh, also... Uh, just bring up some of the articles that are up over at uh, Racing America. Um, Jonathan Davenport, uh, the 2022 version uh, season, put dirt track racer Jonathan Davenport in a league of his own, yet many don't know that man behind the Superman moniker that he's actually known for. So if you want to learn more about Jonathan Davenport, who's going to be racing in the uh, – in NASCAR uh, coming up here soon, uh, you can learn more about him over at flowracing.com. Uh, they have a video there that's about 40 minutes long, so I'd highly recommend that uh, for everybody. Also, the Cars Tour is implementing uh, the Choose Cone for restarts, so uh, that's another thing that uh, is kind of new here and uh, something uh, for fans to uh, be on the lookout for. Okay, I'm not sure where Sal is today. Uh, so I'm going to try to uh, text him. I texted him on Teams, and I'm going to text him now on his phone and see if I can figure out where he's at. Okay, he's, uh, apparently he's caught up in some traffic, and uh, he says he's almost home. So hopefully uh, we'll hear from Sal soon. Okay, so some more news on the short track uh, uh, scene of things is um, Math TV will air the ASA Stars National Tour race on Monday night. So that's uh, kind of big news if you have Math TV. You'll be able to watch that race Monday night, that's tonight, at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and the, that would be the uh, Sunshine State 200 from Five Flags Speedway. Uh, there'll be a same-day re-air at 11 p.m. Eastern. So if you have Math TV, you'll be able to watch that race. Uh, right there, so uh, stay tuned for that as well. Okay, Racing America. Uh, also, uh, they do put up the unofficial race results for the Better 400 and the points report from the Better 400. Uh, they also have the entry list for the Cup Series race out at Kodak that's coming up this weekend. Uh, and there's a feature article at Racing America. Jordan Taylor has a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity at CODA. Uh, definitely looking forward to watching Jordan T- uh, Taylor race in NASCAR's uh, Cup Series. He's an IMSA champion, and he's going to jump behind the wheel of the number nine Hendrick Motorsports car out at uh, Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. So I think that's going to be huge and uh, definitely looking forward 
uh, to uh, seeing him on the track. Uh, I mentioned some things over at uh, Flow Racing. Um, let's see here. Jimmy Blewett uh, is returning to full-time camp competition out at Stafford Speedway. So also there's a drivers reacting to Jonathan uh, Davenport's $2 million season. So it's only about five minutes long, so it's a short view if you want to check that out. Uh, that's over at Flow Racing as well. Uh, so there's a lot uh, going on in the short track world uh, for fans to uh, check out. There's some NHRA Gator Nationals Pro Modified uh, photos that are up over there if you want to check those out. And an event preview for the PDRA Summit Racing Equipment East Coast Nationals. That will be March 30th to April 1st. Uh, so they're looking forward to another uh, big season in the PDRA uh, Summit Racing. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, lots to, lots to look at here. Uh, if you're looking for results from the weekend, there's lots of results that are posted over at Flow Racing as well, including the 2023 Cars Tour at Southern National Motorsports Park and the Short Track Super Series at Sellings Grove Speedway. So uh, you can see those replays and, and uh, catch those results over at Flow Racing. So uh, definitely look looking uh, to see that as well. All right, uh, there's a lot going on uh, in uh, the racing world, and uh, we're going to move over to some updates here uh, from Short Track Scene because they also do a great job. Uh, if you're wondering what happened to uh, Matt Weaver, he was over at uh, Racing America. He now is at Short Track Scene. Uh, and the SRL National, the uh, Rattler 250, took place this weekend. And uh, it's a clean sweep for Bubba Pollard, if you want to check that out. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, Ty Majeski was actually challenged to start from the rear of the field. He took up that challenge and uh, race from the back of the field. Uh, so that was uh, kind of fun uh, to watch this weekend as well. Also, Butcher sweeps the past Easter Bunny double feature. Um, <clears throat> Carter Langley sweeps the Sobo twin openers. Uh, there's commentary, haul up, let ASA stars cook. Uh, so that's uh, pretty cool. Uh, let's see. There's also uh, a lot going on over. Uh, Hockey Shaw shares the ACT Hickory Road Trip victories. That's the American Canadian Tour. And uh, we talked about the Pro All-Star Series where Butcher swept the past uh, Easter Bunny double feature with that. So, again, lots to look at over at Short Track Scene from Matt Weaver and the folks over there. So uh, uh, we always try to encourage fans to go to those websites uh, to keep up with what is happening in the world of um, short track racing. 
I'm going to move over to ARCA Racing now. I'm going to check and see if Sal's here yet. Okay, ARCA Racing. Uh, there is uh, this Thursday, uh, Jay Hughesman and I will be doing our preview of the ARCA Menard Series East season opener that will take place this Saturday out at Firefly Speedway. So uh, definitely looking forward uh, to previewing that race. It's the Pensacola 200 this Saturday, March the 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can watch that race, by the way, via live streaming at Flow Racing. Keep in mind that ArcaRacing.com always has a radio uh, uh, coverage uh, taking place during the race as well. At the Race Central, they also provide live updates directly from the track. So you can keep up with everything that's going on in that race over at ArcaRacing.com. Now, the next race for the uh, Arca Menard Series, well, let's go to Arca West first because they're going to race before that. The West Coast Stock Car Motorsports Hall of Fame 150 will take place on April the 1st at 10 p.m. Eastern Time out at Irwindale Speedway. Uh, again, that race will be available via live streaming at Flow Racing, and you'll be able to listen to the radio and follow all the action at Race Central at ArcaRacing.com. Then the Arca Menard Series, they'll be racing the General Tire 200 on April the 22nd, April, um, I'm sorry, at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time out of Talladega Super Speedway. Now, that race is going to be broadcast live on Fox Sports 1. So uh, some a lot of racing coming up here on uh, on uh, this uh, on uh, Arkham Menard series for all three Arkham Menard series, and uh, you don't want to miss any of the action. If you want to know where to watch what races or how to watch all the races that are coming up, they have a broadcast link over at Racing America that not only tells you where what TV channel you can watch what the start time is, but they tell you where the live stream is and where you can listen on the radio. So uh, you definitely want to check that out. Okay, articles that you can check uh, over at uh, ARCA Racing, Eckes Hill and Logano headline a big weekend for ARCA graduates at Atlanta. And uh, our guest is coming up at 9.30 tonight. Uh, they've got... Uh, Tyler Rife's Phoenix win, a notable point in the Arkham Menard Series West Series history. So uh, catch up with what that's all about over at Arca Racing as well. Uh, so uh, the two big winners so far in the Arkham Menard Series are Greg Van Elts, who won out at Daytona, and then Tanner Rife, who won at Phoenix Raceway. Uh, Sammy Smith and William Byron, uh, are also among the ARCA platform graduates who enjoyed uh, success early this season. So uh, you can read about them as well over at ARCAracing.com. Uh, let's take a look at the points in each of these series. Sal is here now, so I'm going to bring him into the queue. Uh, first of all, I see you made it through all the traffic. Yeah, hi, Sharon. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> Man, I don't know. This 
Doesn't matter. Let's just go. Okay. I don't know where we're at. <laughs> Five thirty. Well, I, was just, I well, was just getting ready to talk about the points uh, for all three series. Uh, of course, Arkham and Art Series East, we don't have any points yet. Arca West, we have just one race. So I was going to cover the Arkham and Art Series uh, points. Uh, I know we've done that before, but in case somebody hasn't heard about it yet, I wanted to cover those points again. Um, I don't know where you are as far as setting yourself up. I'm just, I'm just, I just walked in the door. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and cover it then. Um, okay. Right now, right now, Greg Van Alt tops the uh, list for the Arkham and Art Series standings for the 2023 season after two races. Uh, they're showing Frankie Munoz in second place. He's just 10 points back. Then it's Tony Cosentino, 23 points back. Jesse Love, 26 points back. And Christian Rose, 27 points back. That runs out your top five. Uh, the next five drivers are Jack Wood, our guest coming up at 9.30 tonight, Tyler Rice, uh, Connor Mosack, Andres Perez de Lara, and Tony Breidinger. Now, two of those drivers have only raced one Arkham and Hart Series race, and one of those includes Tyler Rice and Connor Mosack. They only have one race uh, in that Arkham and Hart Series. They're racing primarily, I think, in the Arca West or ARCA East, so that may be a limited schedule for them as far as the ARCA Menard Series goes, but uh, they had good enough finishes to put them into the top ten here, so uh, that's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I don't, I'm, uh, I, I don't know, that's why I always, on this ARCA Menards thing, this NASCAR took over. I, I, I'm still a firm believer that they, they should just let them have their own points, you know, instead of mixing them like this, because it, it gets confusing for the, you know, for the normal everyday fan. And I, I, I think, it, you know, because technically Tyler's not running Arkham and Art Series, period. It just happened that they ran it in Phoenix. You know, right. before they used to have, and what happened before where the cars were different. You know, there are two different sets. There are two different cars. You know, they weren't the same cars, and now they kind of are. So it just made things a little bit more difficult. But <laughs> Frankie Munoz sitting at second points. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I like Frankie. He's a really good guy. <laughs> like Frankie, I, I got to know him real well when he raced out here at Irondale. But um, that's just part of the you know, the way ARCA hasn't has it set up anymore, so. Exactly, but, uh, and, and it can't change it, so we got to roll with it. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can't change it, but it's, it's just, you know, it, it's just, it is what it is. Okay, well, looking at the West Series, you got Tyler Life, of course, is in the number one spot. Four points behind him is Landon Lewis, then it's Bradley Erickson, Andres Perez DeLara, Kyle Keller rounds out the top five, Frankie Munoz, Connor Jones, Leland Honeyman, Trevor Huddleston, and Greg Van Dalst round out the top ten. And, again, it is somewhat confusing because I don't know if Greg Oltz is going to race all three series or not. 
Uh, but I know he's running full-time in the Arkham and Art Series this year. So this will start to settle out uh, as more races are in the books. Uh, and uh, we know that the real hot and heavy time for the Arkham and Art Series is to during the summer months. So I would expect by the time we get to the summer months uh, that a lot of this will work itself out and we'll have a better feel for how this uh, is going to play out for each of these three series. Exactly, because right now it, it, does, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense other than the fact that, you know, that the, um, um, you know, uh, that the Arkham Art is running, you know, they ran their yeah, first race. I remember at, uh, what, there was Phoenix. a time, Sal, when they used to do the combination event in Iowa that we thought it was pretty cool yeah. to have that combination event. Yeah, but, but the combination was just, it was Arca East, Arca West. It wasn't the Arkham Art series because, once again, they ran different cars. So mm-hmm. you, you could run a, a West car with the, with the Arca car. Are in the Arca series, just like you couldn't run an East car in the Arca series. And now the way they have it, while the way they did it for that first race, they just let everybody basically bring their car out under under a roast package. And and um, this is this is what um, was shook out after the um, after the after the first two races, which was Daytona and um, and Phoenix. Uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you what, if you do want to catch up with everything that's going on in the Arkham and Art series, go to ArcaRacing.com and click the news link. Uh, they do have quite a few articles there. Uh, you'll see that uh, Tyler Life actually uh, headed up the, uh, led the practice results. I, I believe he started on the pole and finished on the number one spot. So uh, it was a good night for Tyler Reif. Also, uh, from sunrise to high point, Trevor Huddleston is going to carry on Bob Boomcotti's West Series. Uh, so that's really good, cool news that Trevor Huddleston is going to be racing this year. Yeah, and actually, um, Tim Huddleston made an announcement on Saturday, which I already knew. They haven't made it official yet, but Tim made it official Saturday with that um, Jake Bowman is going to take over the second car for uh, for High Point Racing. So it'll be Trevor and uh, Jake Bowman that'll be uh, teammates for the rest of the Any team. Any relation to Alex? No, Bowman. Alex is Bowman. Alex is Bowman, and, and uh, Jake is Bowman, B-O-L. Oh, B-O-L. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It sounded exactly the same when you said that. Okay. Yeah, no, one's Bowman and one's Bowman. Okay, got yeah. it. Okay, yeah. so um, we'll look forward to uh, watching Jake race over there with uh, High Point uh, Racing uh, with Trevor Huddleston as his teammate. So uh, very cool. Uh, and, uh, again, there's the race results from the race at Phoenix. Uh, you'll get, hear about, um, uh, Frankie Munoz, Greg Van Alst, uh, Tyler Reif, <laughs> Sammy Smith, 
uh, all of all of that news. And if you want to break it down by series, uh, they have it broken down there as well between the ARCA East and the ARCA West. So uh, a lot of good information at ARCARacing.com uh, for anybody who wants to catch up with the season uh, for whatever reason. Yes. Okay. Uh, I already covered the short track and dirt track news. Did you see anything in there that uh, you wanted to make sure you mentioned? I know Bubba Pollard won that Rattlesnake 250. Yeah, actually he won the both. He won the Baby Rattler on Saturday, and then he won the the Rattler 250 on Sunday. So he went um he, he went back. Yep. He, he he swept them. Yeah, one 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 was in a pro late, the other was in a super late. So um, that was good for Bubba because he had had that the week before. He had gotten dumped by um, by Casey Roderick, and uh, that's where all the controversy came in with the. Uh, on on the um right they had those penalties yeah they had the penalties after which i think were pretty <laughs> didn't make sense at all you don't you, i don't know i it's bob Sargent needs to um him and ricky brooks really need to get get together but it'll never happen and, and ricky just he he was you know they didn't get well, together no, and, and unify. Well, yeah, and you know, and and they both run a tight ship, but I mean, when something like that happens, you don't go and start finding your drivers because then now they're putting money out that they really don't have. I mean, these guys—they're not cup drivers, so they don't have a big, a big checkbook, you know, or a big sponsor that can pay that kind of money and a fine when it's racing uh-huh. and you've seen it time after time, you know, so, I mean, you start doing that and you're going to start pushing drivers away because they're going to be afraid of, to race the way they're used to racing because they're going to think, okay, if, if we race, you know, we're going, how do we know we're not, we're going to, we're not going to catch a fine, you know, and, um, you know, you got to remember this is short track racing. It's not, it's not um, NASCAR. Yeah, but uh, was some of it because they approached uh, the driver after the race, or was it what happened on the track? No, it was what happened after the race, but still, it happens all the time. Okay. You know, okay. it happens all the well, time, you know. Thanks for the commentary. Yeah, I can't really comment fight. on it oh, yeah. because I didn't see yeah, it. They, they but... fight all the time. Oh, no. So you yeah, think that's acceptable time, but... to fight all the time? I don't think it's acceptable. Oh no, it's not acceptable. But I mean, you you don't you don't run away. You're this is the first race for that series, so you don't go out and find your um your uh how do you say it? Your, your golden child. Well, your golden child basically because I mean, Bubba's like Bubba's a series. Uh-huh. You know, if you want to push well, him away. I mean, that, that's uh, you expect that you expect your golden person to kind of behave like a professional, though, too, right? Yeah, but you also expect the series to send the driver back that hit that dumped him and not let him not let him keep a spot, and and that's uh-huh. where a lot of the that came back because they didn't send the driver back because all of a sudden they made a rule that says, oh well, the yellow flag was out, so we can't send them back. It happens all the time. We see them send them back. You know, when it, whenever, whenever 
somebody takes out the lead driver, you know, they'll send them back, you know, but, um, okay. you know, Hey, you know, I mean, this, you gotta remember too, it's short track racing. It's not, it's not NASCAR. So yeah, but this is a national taking, series. So I think the expectation is maybe a little bit higher than your local short track. Uh, uh, not really these, sure. are, these are yeah, drivers not, that are coming from all over the country to race in these races. So exactly, huh? exactly. And they're on limited schedule. They're on limited money. I mean, they don't have the big, they don't have the big money like, like, uh, JGR and RCR, you know, to just throw, just throw around like that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is where they're cutting their teeth. This is where you know, you know, racers are racers. So maybe you, the you, fine you should be away. less than what it is. Maybe it shouldn't have been a fine at all. Maybe it should have. Maybe they should have said, you know, talked to them first and you know, told them, hey, you know what? Look at, you know, we're not going to tolerate it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the first race for the season for the series too. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Yeah, I guess they chose this way to kind of make their statement. But I I hear your points, and I agree with them. I'm playing devil's advocate here uh, to kind of give another side of the story here. But um, none of the drivers liked it. Yeah, well, then they don't show up for the next race (laughs) if they don't like it. You know what? If he keeps doing that, I'm telling you right now, he ain't going to have a series because no one's going to show up because they're going to say, why, why are we going to show up and, you know, and give this guy money? You know, it's, it's bad enough that we don't, we hardly have money to race. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're broke. But, but you know, then, why are grown men going out and fighting with other drivers? I, I, I don't, I've, I don't really understand that either. Sure, you have you you you've, you you haven't been around the short track season. That's why. That's how they. That's. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the Bowman Gray stories. Oh, I'm you know, sure. About, you know, I know there's all kinds of know, stories about grown men fighting well, with each other. I'm just saying, as a woman, I guess I don't understand that either. You know, there's there's a promoter back east that said, you know what, if you're gonna fight. Fight on the front stretch so everybody can see it. He goes, he goes because if you fight it, if if you fight in the pit where no one can see it, then then he goes, there's going to be penalties, which you know we're going to sit you down, we're going to sit you down a race or two. But if you fight in front of the stands where people can see it, you know what? Then you're good to go. Okay. You know, they want everybody to see it. You know, you know they don't want you know and you know. Okay. Well, commentary time is over. <laughs> I don't mean to cut right. you short. <laughs> But we oh, do no, have no, to no. kind of move on. That's fine, yeah. Okay. Um, we're going to move on to the Craftsman Truck Series and the race uh, at Atlanta Motor Speedway this past weekend. Actually, it took place on Saturday. The Freight 208. The race winner was Christian Eckes at the age of 22, driving the number 19 Napa Auto Care Chevrolet for team owner Bill McAnally and crew chief uh, Charles Denicky. Uh, it was his second victory in 71 Truck Series races and his first victory and third top ten finish this season. This is his first victory and second top ten finish in three races at Atlanta. Nick Sanchez, how about that, the rookie, posted his first top ten finish in one race at Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's his first top ten finish this season. And John Hunter Nemetek finished third, posting his third top ten finish in six races at Atlanta. Uh, okay. Uh, also, uh, it was a wild night <laughs> in the truck series. 
I was uh, beginning to wonder if they were going to get it finished. Christian Eckes, though, finished where he started in Saturday's race at Atlanta Motor Speedway with a lot of turmoil in between. Uh, it was, it went into overtime. Uh, Christian Eckes chose the bottom lane and front row position for the restart on lap 136 of 137 laps. Uh, okay. Also, um, he won the opening stage and led 35 of 137 laps. Again, it was Nick Sanchez and John Hunter Nemechek finishing in second and third, followed by Bailey Curley, or Bailey Curry, Ben Rhodes, Matt Benedetto, Chase Purdy, Timmy Hill, Matt Crafton, and Jack Wood to round out the top ten. Stage two was won by Matt Crafton. It was his first stage win since the 2020 season. There were 17 lead changes among nine drivers with an event high 11 cautions for 58 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 92.344 miles per hour. Your thoughts about our top 10 here, Sal? Yeah, you know what I've 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 seen the first two stages, and then I had to leave, I had to go to the track because we had Erndale, we ran Erndale Saturday night, and um, and I didn't know I was going to miss all that, but uh, it was it was neat to see uh, Matt Crafton win that second stage, man. He really had a fight for that win. To get that second stage win, um, you know, like you said, the rookie Nick Sanchez finishing second, and um, I was going to come home and finish watching the race, and I apologize. And, uh, I got home too late. Yeah, I got home too late and couldn't watch it, and you know, I missed it. I missed Christian. I, I have a recording. I'm still going to watch it this week. Okay, see cool. Christian Eckes get 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 that win, and actually, that was uh, that truck that he was in was um, was. The truck that uh, yeah, well, it's the one that um, um, Derek Cross has been running for the past three years with them. Yeah, this so was when, the very when, first win for McAnally Hillman yeah. too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. that was very was Bill, cool Bill, to see. Bill's first truck win, yeah. So, but yeah, this was the truck that uh, that Derek Cross was running that couldn't. Because Phil the Dillon and Christian Eckes goes out and Phil the Dillon, and then of course you know you have his teammate, you know uh, Jake Garcia, you know finishing 18th. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I'm sure we're going to see a lot. We're going to see a lot of big things out of out of out of the out of that team this year. I'm sure we're gonna, we'll probably hopefully see um, uh, Jake Garcia possibly get into victory lane too. But um, yeah, you know you go up and down. You go up and down the list, you know, and you see, you know, who's, you know, John Hunter Nemechek coming in from the Cup Series, you know, to run the, to run the trucks, you know, and, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, you know, it's neat, you know, it was a good solid top ten finish for Jack Wood, you know, after his heartbreak at, uh, at Phoenix in the, um, in the Arca West Series, you know, so. Uh, yeah. And then uh, I was real happy from, for Nick Sanchez, though, too, from Rev Racing. And it was a great showing uh, for him in this race as well. Uh, we don't see Bailey Curry up there very often, so uh, that was a little bit of a surprise. And a, a good finish for Matt DiBenedetto. Yeah. And actually, Tyler Jeske flew from the 
right after the race, flew to uh, yeah. <laughs> to uh, South Alabama to race in the to race in the Rattler. Yeah, that was pretty cool to see him do that too. They were surprised at how fast he was able to get down there. Okay, uh, there were a few things that happened throughout this race. Uh, uh, the number. Um, let me make sure I get the right number here. Truck number. 34 of Keith McGee uh, was out after seven laps because of a uh, transmission. Uh, Mason Maggio was out uh, after 52 laps because of an accident. Corey Heim was caught up in an early accident. A lot of people had him uh, picked as their race winner. He was caught up on lap 83 in that accident. Uh, Caden Honeycutt finished laps down. He was he was running, but Lawless Allen also caught up in an accident on lap 126. He was out, and Carson Hosefar was out on lap 127. Uh, Kobe Howard had a track bar problem, taking him out of the race on lap 134. Uh, so several drivers finished laps down. Most of the drivers uh, finished all 137 laps. Uh, 25 drivers that finished all 137 laps. Uh, it did finish under caution, uh, but, uh, man, they broke the record for number of cautions in this la- in this race. Oh, yeah, it did. It sounded <laughs> like it was never going to, like, it was like, like, like it was going to, they're going to have to run the Finney and the trucks together to, I get know. The, to get the race again. I know. It was really uh, amazing. Um, at first, I wondered if the track was just overly slick or what was going on there. Uh, the, we, we had kind of some of the same issues in the Xfinity Series race. Uh, but by the time we saw the Cup Series race, went, race on Sunday, it seemed like every, the track was pretty much toned down. I don't know if it was the difference in the track or the difference in the fact that we had veterans racing on the track. Well, a lot of it too was that you know um, uh, qualifying, of course, got rained out. Yeah, so yep. the track the track went green, you know. So it, it took a while to you know for for the track to get rubbered up again, you know, for you know, you know, for them to get a, a, a good racing groove out there again, especially with the tire compounds they're using. So, yep. um, you know, you know that that played a huge factor in the way the racing went with the. You know, with the trucks and Xfinity, by the time Sunday came around, you know, the track was pretty well rubbered up. You know, so uh-huh. the cars, you know, were able to, um, you know, have a little bit more, more, uh, more grip and more luck out there. Okay, let's go ahead and move over to the points report, Sal. And uh, after three races, uh, things are starting to kind of sort themselves out here. Yeah, after three races, you got a. Uh, you got uh, Christian Eckes, who's leading the points, who has already has a race win. Um, still holding in the second spot is Matt Crafton. Um, third is Ty Majewski. Fourth is Ben Rose. And round out the top five is um, Dave Smith. Um, after that, we got Grant Insinger in sixth. Matt uh, D. Uh, Benedetto in seventh. Chase Purdy in eighth. Carson Hosevar in ninth, and Tanner Gray uh, round up the top ten with uh, Tyler Akram and Corey Heim right there in eleventh and twelfth spot. Okay, the Nick Sanchez rookie. is the highest rookie 
in 13th. Yeah, yeah, 13th. Okay, so it's pretty tight up at the top between third and uh, first place is only eight points. And if you drop back to uh, uh, fifth place, it's only 15 points separating the first place driver from the uh, fifth place driver. So uh, it's pretty tight battles there. so it, points are, are really going to be uh, important, I think, this season, uh, in the, especially in this truck series. Yeah, and you got to remember, too, Chris Hideki and Zay Smith already have a win, so they're already locked in. So yep. you, know, you got to basically take the points down from, you know, second place on down right now. But, I, I mean, we're, we've still got a lot more racing, a lot more drivers are going to win. I'm sure we'll have multiple race winners this year, season again. So, um, right. You know, this, Just this to point, clarify, yeah, Kyle Busch won that third race of the three races. Yeah. Yeah, but he, and then we all know he's not eligible for the. Correct. For a championship or anything in the truck series, so he. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Um, as far as the playoff points, Christian Eckes is leading with seven, and um, Zane Smith is uh, one point behind with six. And, and you know these two, especially Zane, he's going to be going after every every uh, every every uh, every stage point he could possibly get. You know, yes, he knows how he important is. they are. He's a defending champion, so uh, he wants yeah. to defend that championship title. For sure. Oh, yeah, he wants to be able to come. He wants to be able to come oh. come in back to back. I know we're a little bit ahead, so I'm, but I'm going to go ahead and get into the Xfinity series here, so that we've got time to kind of build up uh, a lead-in to our guest coming on at 9:30. The Raptor King of Tough 250 was run on Saturday as well in the Xfinity series. Austin Hill. At the age of 28, was the winner. He drives the number 21 Bennett Transportation Chevrolet, Richard Childress Racing, and his crew chief is Andy Street. It was his fifth victory in 53 Xfinity Series starts and his third victory and fifth top 10 finish this year. He's had an amazing season. Um, It's his second victory and third top ten finish in three races at Atlanta Motor Speedway as well. Daniel Hemrick finished second, posting his fifth top ten finish in eight races at Atlanta and his third top ten finish of the season. Ryan Truex posted his third top ten finish in four races at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Sammy Smith, who finished in 17th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Austin Hill claims another trophy, this time on a super speedway, in a race that started in chaos and ended in Bedlam on the last lap. He won his third Xfinity Series race of the season, beating Daniel Hemrick to the checkered flag. Um, for, so five weeks of racing and three wins for Austin Hill. Uh, he led 103 of 163 laps. Uh, it's his second uh, victory at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Four of his five career victories have come on super speedways. Again, it was Daniel Hemrick uh, finishing in second place, followed by Parker Kligerman. Uh Actually, Daniel <coughs> Hemrick finished second after he tagged Parker Kligerman coming out of the fourth turn. 
on the final lap to start a big wreck. Ryan Truex again placed in third, followed by Kligerman uh, taking the checkered flag, sliding backwards in fourth place. And what about Riley Herbst, also involved in the wreck? He ended up with a top five finish. Uh, Brett Moffat earned his best finish of the season in sixth. Then it was Josh Berry, John Hunter Nemechek, Sam Mayer, and Justin Haley who round out the top ten. Hill won the opening stage while Kligerman earned his first uh, stage win. There were 13 lead changes among eight drivers, and again, 12 cautions for 68 yellow flag laps. The speed of the race was 91.382. Your thoughts about the top 10 at Atlanta Motor Speedway for the Xfinity Series? Yeah, that was another, another win for Austin Hill. He's uh Man, he's really proving, you know, you know what a what a threat he's going to be for that championship this this year. You know, starting off early, you know, you know, collecting the wins. You know, hopefully, you know, he he keeps the momentum up. You know, when it really counts, you know, at the end of the season. But you know, for now, you know, to get a jump the way he has, um, he's he's having a so far he's having a phenomenal season. Yes, he is. Like you say, you look up and down, you know. You know, Riley Herbs continues, you know, to, you know, to have, you know, some good solid weeks in there. You know, I'm sure his win, you know, should be around the corner here pretty soon. Um, I think he's finished in the top ten in every race so far. Yeah, it seems like he has. He's, he's had mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of, like I said, he's had a lot of good runs this year. He's been solid. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, come, you know, towards the end of the season, you know, when it, you know, makes a chase, you know, how he does in the chase, you know, see if he can pick up a win or two before, you know, before the chase. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts there? No, that's really it. I mean, Josh Berry, you know, continues, you know, to, you know, be a, you know, a factor, you know, for, um, for uh, GR Motorsports and you know Sammy Smith, the highest finishing um, rookie, highest finishing rookie in 17th with uh, Blaine Perkins finishing at 22nd. I think that's Blaine's, might be Blaine's best finish so far this uh, this season. That's awesome. The margin of victory, just so you know, was point uh, zero eight five of a second. That's uh, eighty five thousands of a second so uh that's pretty tight uh several accidents in this race uh first lap accident took out joey gase and caesar uh baccarella uh then you had garrett smithley out on lap 11 with kaz Grella. they both were caught up in an accident along with jeffrey earnhardt on lap 11 uh kyle weatherman was out on lap 26 because of an accident josh williams on lap 33 uh, Sage Karam out on uh, lap 43 because of a radiator. Uh, Connor Mosack out on lap 69 uh, because of an accident. And Justin Algauer, a lot of people had him picked to win. He was out on lap 77 due to an accident. Lap 127, Chandler Smith had a rear gear issue, taking him out of the race. And on lap 154, Park uh, was out of the race because of an accident. So uh, most cars finished on uh, the lead lap, uh, 25 cars again, 
uh, finishing on that lead lap. Uh, only one car uh, finished uh, on lap 161, two laps down, still running. So uh, a lot of incidents in this race. Yeah, it was a lot. And, you know, they, you know, once again, you know, um, uh, Austin Hewitt came out on top, you know, to pick up his uh, third win of the season. Yeah, wasn't that something? Uh, and Timmy Hill had a top ten finish there too, didn't he? Or was that the truck race? Uh, I think that was a truck race. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, so uh, again, uh, there was some good racing that took place out at uh, uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. But with all that rain that they had on Saturday, on Friday. Uh, it really affected the racing, I think, on Saturday to a big degree. Uh, and uh, I think it was a combination of the track coming in and just having veteran drivers out there on the track uh, that made a difference in the racing, I think, on Sunday. Um, so uh, we've got a guest that's going to be coming up here. I know we were going to have him. Oh, let's do the points report before okay. we leave the Xfinity Series. So, so for the points, we have uh, um, Austin Hill who's leading the points with um, uh, with three wins. Um, then we have uh, John Hunter Nemechek in second, who also has a has a win this year. Third is Riley Herb. Fourth is the uh, highest rookie in Chandler Smith. Fifth is uh, Justin Allgaier. And rounding out the top six is uh, Sam Mayer. Mm-hmm. And then from there, then we go down to Sammy Smith in seventh, Josh Berry in eighth, Cole Custer in ninth, Daniel Hamrick in tenth, Parker Klingerman uh, in eleventh, and Sheldon Creed finally moved up into a playoff spot, into uh, the number 12 spot, taking over Brett Moffitt. So, um, you know, we're starting to see some movement, you know, as the season goes on. And, um, you know, I'm sure that's going to that's gonna be the – that'll probably be the norm, you know, going into the, into the uh, you know, rest of the season until we get to our first uh, playoff race. Yeah. It should be noted that John Hunter Nemechek and Raleigh Herbst are actually tied in points at 202. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek gets the uh, edge on that one because of his win. And then also there's a tie between Sammy Smith and Josh Berry. And, again, uh, Sammy Smith gets the edge on that one because of his win. So uh, some interesting uh, ties here in that top 12. Yes, it is. It's very interesting. And, um, you know, as like I said, you know, as the season goes on, you know, it's just going to get more and more, you know, interesting you know, with what goes on, you know. You know, as far as, you know, shake up in the points and, and uh you know, who's in, who's out, you know, for the uh for the playoffs. Uh, without a doubt, it is going to get more interesting. Uh they've got five races in the books already compared to three races for the truck series. So uh they've got a couple more races under their belt. Uh truck series has a more abbreviated schedule, so uh that's uh 
that's kind of part of it as well. But um, uh, again, uh, it was uh, kind of a helter-skelter race on Saturday for both the truck series and the Xfinity series. And you bring up a good point, Sal, with the fact that uh, they were racing on a very green track. Uh, They did not get any practice in because of the rain. And so their first laps on the track were, were during the race. Uh, other than qualifying, where they do, well, they didn't even get to do qualifying. Yeah, they so, were set by the um, by the points because of the because of the rain out. Yes, because of the rain, they didn't get qualifying in. They didn't get practice in. So uh, the lack of uh, being able to practice, I, I think, uh, really had an impact on all of that as well. Okay, we've got a guest coming up, Sal, uh, in Tyler Reifen, and, and uh, he won that uh, Arca Menard Series Arca West combination event out at Phoenix Raceway. He was racing against some really good drivers, uh, but uh, uh, I know he's coming up here in a, a few minutes. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to make sure we mentioned about Tyler Reif? No, just made, you know, just that, you know what he's, you know, he's a young up and coming driver, you know, from, uh, racing out here in the in the West Coast, you know, um, uh, you know, he's uh, racing for um, Loudon Jackson Racing. Um, he 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 did race, I think, their last two or three races of the Arca Series, Arca West Series last year with Loudon Jackson uh-huh. you know, before going full time with before going full time with them this season. So. Um, it's going to be an exciting season for Tyler. I know talking with Matt, they're talking about Tyler racing both the uh, East and the West series. Oh, so cool. um, we'll talk to him. Yeah, we'll talk to him a little bit about that and how that's going to how that's going to play out. Um, we all know Tyler from last year. You know, he um, you know last couple of seasons. You know, he raced the uh, the um, the SRL uh, uh, SRL Southwest Tour Series in, in a in a pro late. So, and he did pretty well there. Yeah, he did well there, you know, and um, you know, he he he's, he's from Henderson, Henderson, Nevada. You know, and uh he gets a lot of he gets a lot of his coaching from actually from Noah Gregson is the one that helps him. Oh cool. You know, whenever he whenever he gets a chance. So um him and Noah are really good friends, you know, so um he's uh, also the younger race, brother of Tanner Ripe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the younger brother, Tanner Rice, and um, you know, like I said, you know, um, you know, Noah helps him whenever he can. You know, he he gets some good coaching, and um, you know, and you know, the cars cars he's driving. I know Matt's probably list probably gonna be listening, but you know, they're not bad. You know, I mean, they're it's an it's an older race team from way back in the day. You know that you know that just kind of hung around and you know and uh. You know, do they've you know they've been doing their thing, uh, but um, it's it's really neat, you know, all the all the hard work that they put in with Tyler, you know, to you know make him the driver he is, you know, the, the person that he is today. He's really neat. If you ever get a chance around the track, you know, you know, stop by and say hi to him, you know, and uh, you know, really a fun, really a fun. The Rice are really a fun family mm-hmm. to be around, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so um, it's it's uh. Should be a pretty pretty neat little interview, you know. Here, well, I know Anderson, we've had Tanner you know, about, on the show a couple of times as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah we had Tanner when he won his. 
Yeah, yeah, when he won the when he won his Arca Series races, so we had Tanner on the show. But um, this one's gonna be neat because I'm kind of curious to hear. I haven't I haven't talked to him. Usually, I've talked to him by now, but I'm really curious to hear what how the last restart went with um, him and Landon yeah. Lewis because him and Landon Lewis they have a history of um of uh kind of uh roughing each other up in the in the legend series. So um uh there's a bit of bad bad blood between Tyler and and Landon. I think on the track, I'm not so sure off the track, but um it's it's gonna be interesting to hear, you know I wanna hear what was going through his mind, you know, when they when they restarted next to each other then Landon shot out of the on the restart, shot out like a cannon. And, uh-huh. uh, I was I was I was waiting for the yellow flag. I thought I thought Chris Wright would have thrown the yellow flag and, and, and yellow flag to start because of the jump that um that uh that landing got but he didn't and um you know of course Tyler came came back, went around him, raced him and you know, got the win and uh you know, like I said it was a big win for for Loudon um Loudon and uh, Jackson Racing. Okay. Well, uh, a couple minutes early, but we're going to go ahead and bring him into the queue. Uh, Tyler is here, and we'll go ahead and get started with his interview. Uh, Tyler, uh, welcome to our show. We're really happy to have you here tonight. Thank you guys for having me. Well, Tyler, congratulations on winning your first race. (laughs) in the Arca Menard Series and Arca West race out at Phoenix Raceway a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was uh, uh, a pretty exciting race. You, you started out with a wreck on lap 11, uh, and, and, but you were able to recover from that. Yeah, um, definitely unfortunate what happened, but luckily it wasn't uh, too bad because uh, Taylor Gray actually got like the same type of wreck last year and it destroyed his car. So I was pretty happy that it didn't do that. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but uh, that wasn't the end of uh, some good hard racing. You had some more hard racing uh, as the laps were winding down. And uh, I know Sal wants to talk to you about that. But uh, just real briefly, I do want to get into uh, your thoughts as you were coming to the finish line there because – uh, you had to battle a couple of drivers, Erickson and uh, Lewis, in order to uh, get that win. Yeah, um, I think that that uh, restart was uh, definitely not the best because I thought it was a restart zone. But uh, he jumped it, and luckily my car was uh, really fast, so we uh, reeled them both back in before the last lap. Okay, so your thoughts about coming to that uh, finish line? When you when you knew you had it, <laughs> uh, I was like, I mean, I got it like coming out of four. We were clear by a car length, and I like the excitement on the radio. Everybody was like talking over each other, yelling, and it was uh, like unreal. I was so happy. High emotions, I would imagine. Yeah, super. Okay, well, Tyler, I know your your brother Tanner also races. Uh, but uh, Sal was uh, telling us that Noah's involved with your career as well. Uh, and, and I know Noah's a really busy guy. 
but talk about the support that you have behind you with your team there at Loudon Jackson Motorsports. Um, Noah's uh, just like a really good buddy since we're kind of little kids. Uh, it's very like occasional help, but on the weekends where we do race with the bigger teams, he tends to help me out a little bit with the tracks that I haven't been to so far, so that's definitely nice. Yeah, for sure. And then your brother Tanner, do you guys uh, share race notes or because you're racing for different teams, do you kind of keep that to yourself? Um, It's a little bit of both. Like, um, it's really good competition because we push each other, but I don't, we don't really like car notes, definitely not, but we do help each other as much as we can driver wise. Oh, Okay. Uh, I know uh, the Burton brothers, when they raced, and some of the other brothers, uh, one of the rules is you don't wreck each other at the end, wreck each other. Do you guys kind of have that understanding? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's enlightening. Okay, so uh, we've got a lot to look forward to there. Now, joining us uh, on tonight's show is our co-host for tonight, Sal Segala, and I know he's got some questions for you as well, Tyler. First Sal? of all, Tyler, congratulations on the, on the yeah, Tyler, congratulations on the win. I know it was a big win, not only for you, for your family, but you know, for Loudon Jackson, you know, with the team, you know, just getting together. You know, you only had a couple races with them last year, you know, to close out the season, you know, and um. You know, it you know, it started it the way it started out was pretty neat. You know, the way, you know you know, Matt brought you Matt and Tony and Chris brought you in the fold. But you know, you you'd already had a history with Matt and Tony, you know, when you're racing in the um in the uh with the Southwest Tour series. Yeah, um I I've been with Tony mostly Tony since I was probably like literally nine years old. Um uh, starting in the junior late models in Madera Speedway. Actually, I probably since I was eight because he was helping my brother when I was in mini cup still. So it's been uh, super long with Tony. And then Matt started um, spotting me in the SRL. So it's been a couple of years with Matt. So the relationship between us three is definitely really good. So what was it that made you decided to go with the with the Loudon Jackson team instead of, you know, maybe I don't know, maybe being Tanner's teammate at at uh at uh, uh, McAnally Racing or maybe even going to High Point, you know, be Trevor Huddleston's teammate or even, you know, going with uh, with Jerry Pitts, who's also, you know, one of the, uh, you know, who's also from the Vegas area. Um, the, the main reason why I went with his team was because of, like, it was more of a family-run new organization, just how my um, tour team was ran. And I really like that. I like how it's, like, underdogs, smaller people, and then when the good finishes come, it's way more impressive, way more uh, uh, exciting, I guess, where you could be on, a, I guess, a team like my brother and have you go out there and you don't run in the top five and then you get bagged on, I guess, because you're in a Napa car, right? So I think I just went with, like, a, a family team because I'm super tight with everyone. Chris is super cool, and everyone here is just super nice and loving. So what? So what's it like to run with the Jacksons? You know, with the you know with the team that's been around for, you know, thirty, forty, fifty years. I don't know, maybe even maybe even sixty years. I mean, they were probably even around before NASCAR even started. It seems like because you know, the Jackson name goes all the way back to 
gosh, I mean, I think even before I was born, it seems like. Yeah, um, it, it's definitely cool with all the experience. Like, um, coming into late models, it helped a lot because I didn't know. I mean, I raced quarter midgets where it's just a circle track and you full throttle it the whole time. So I'd drive it in super deep in the corner and then, like, whoa, whoa you can't do that. It's not right. So it definitely helps a lot with, like, an experienced team. And I, I haven't really worked with much other people but them because I started my first late model race was with the Jacksons, and it has, I've never done another one without them. So, so then we fast forward to the ARCA series, you know. Um, <clears throat> like I said, last year, you know, uh, Tanner ran with, um, with, with Rucati last year. You know, then, uh, you know, you, you, you stayed with your, um, you know, with your, uh, Southwest tour. And then this year, you know, you jumped on board with, uh, with the, um, with the Loudon Jackson team, you know, you guys got a good start on the season with that win at Phoenix, you know, a tough track, um, you know, a lot of good drivers out there, you know, you had a lot of East drivers out there, you know, you had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, um, gosh, a lot of experience out there, you know, when you look at, you know, uh, you know, Solich, you know, you look at, you know, um, Jack Wood, um, uh, Jesse Love, you know, who's, you know, who's been a champion, you know, and he's got a lot of races under his belt too. Yeah. Um, it, I, lo- I love racing the, like, the Phoenix races because it's always so much competition. And when you get behind a fast car, because I mean, that's my only ever mile track that I've ran. I'm going to run a couple more this year. But getting behind someone that knows how to run a mile track is definitely a lot. And like Noah helped with that. Like me not knowing how the air works, he's helped me with like um, passing cars, like where to be, where not to be, because how the air hits your spoiler. So it's cool being with experienced people that have raced Arca for a couple of years. It definitely helps. So how is all this going to play into um, when I talked to uh, to Matt and he said that you're going to be racing both uh, the East and the West Series? Um, yeah, so actually um, we, this weekend, Friday, we fly out to Pensacola, Florida for the first East race, and I'll be going there as points leader. So hopefully, hopefully it goes pretty good. That's awesome. You know what? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I see a lot of good things, you know, I, I, you know, I've known you, you know, for a few years now, you know, I've watched you, you know, you and your brother, you know, race come up, you know what, and it's been neat to, you know, to kind of, you know, be around there, you know, and see the, you know, the progression, you know, and it's neat, you know, like, you know, in Vegas, you know, when Noah went over there, you know, and helped you out last year, you know, then of course, I know this year again, he was with you and last year in Vegas, this year in Phoenix, I'm sure he's going to be with you a lot more. But without Noah, of course, you know, you have to rely on your own team and Tony and uh, and Dave. Um, yeah, I feel like Noah's almost like he doesn't really uh, – that's the first race he's ever actually helped me, and it wasn't that much. The only thing we did was a, was a, was a track walk uh, earlier in the day because the restart box changed a little bit. Um, we were checking out track conditions where the rubber was, and that's about – that's probably the only uh, help he's had for me. He definitely has helped me in my legends a little bit, a little bit of my late models, but it's just uh, mostly just a tight friendship. So I've always really been, like, reliant on the Jacksons and the team for help. That's, yeah, that's key. You know, like I said, you know, um, you know um, the Jacksons, you know, they're a really good 
really good solid team, you know what, and um, you know, they got good you know, good help there, you know, with Chris. Um, I don't I don't know if I don't know if Chris has been out there uh, I know last year Chris Jackson was helping you guys a lot, but you know, like I said, you know, with Tony and Dave and you know, Matt's been around for a long time and uh you know, to see the um you know, the uh you know, the improvements, you know, that you've done, you know, through the even through the legends, you know, you get in a legend car, you know, you're you know, uh, really super aggressive driver, you know, the legend, you're aggressive, you know, and your arc, you're aggressive and you're, and you're prolating. That's probably why, you know, you're having the, the uh, success that you have. Yeah. Um, I tend to be on the aggressive side, but I've definitely tried to tame it out a little bit in the new series because of people being problems and like, you know, as part of the season, you definitely don't want uh, problems with any of the drivers. So I try to stay as clean as, clean as I can. And surprisingly, I went from two laps down to the lead without moving anybody out of the way. You know what? That's what you know. You, yeah, he's always been a really clean driver. And and, and with that, you know what, um, Tyler? You know what? I just want to wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. We'll see you at Irondale. Um, uh, what am I going to say? Uh, yeah, best of luck the rest of the season. Congratulations on your win. And you know what? I'm gonna turn it over to Sharon because I know she has I know she has some questions she wants to ask you. Okay, thank you, Sal. Okay, Tyler, uh, I want to talk about uh, for those of us that don't know you. This is kind of a, t- a chance for us to get to know Tyler Rice. Um, are we pronouncing your last name correctly? Yes. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure. Because <laughs> I, I know at ARCA they they said we should pronounce it as Reef, so uh, Sal corrected me right away and said it was Rife. Okay, um, do you come? Was your dad in racing? I know your brother was in racing. Do you come from a racing family, or are you the first generation racers? So my grandpa actually raced a lot of sprint cars. He was a really good sprint car driver, but never any pavement. And then my dad was always into cars, liked racing. And then me and my brother actually started out racing in my grandpa's parking lot of his business in quarter midgets. I watched my brother do it, and I was like, dang, that's really what I want to do. And then before I was old enough to race, I would uh, practice in my grandpa's parking lot. That is so cool. Uh, I bet you've got some cool photos of that as well. Um, What about... um, uh, as far as uh, the tracks, I know you raced a little bit last season. What were the tracks you raced on last season? Um, last year, I did mostly SRL, so I did a lot of California. So I raced a lot of Irwindale, Curran. Uh, I did some uh, North Cal stuff like Stockton and Roseville. And then I actually did two ARCA starts last year, which was uh, my hometown of Vegas and then Phoenix, and then a lot of legends in Colorado, here, Arizona, California. Okay, so looking at the schedule, knowing that you're racing both east and west, what tracks are you kind of looking forward to most? Um, I'm really excited for this weekend, actually, Five Flags, the next Phoenix, uh, Bristol, and actually kind of all the east coast tracks because I've never been there. And then for the west, um, Phoenix, and um, my home track. Uh, Las Vegas Bullring. Okay, so that's uh, pretty cool. Tyler, we've really enjoyed talking with you here tonight. Again, congratulations on your Truck Series victory. Uh, Before you go, I want to make sure 
there's a lot of people that work with you behind the scenes, and I know you're a smaller team, so it's not as many as, as maybe some of the other teams, but um, who do you want to give a shout-out to before you um, say goodnight tonight? Uh, Chris Bottom for um, everything he's done, and then the whole Jackson family, my teammate RJ for working on my cars and being a good supporter, and then everybody on this team that helped out so much. Okay, that's awesome. And then, too, are you on social media so we can follow you on social media and keep up with what's going on? I am. Okay, give us your handles. Uh, My Instagram is Tyler underscore Rice underscore 41, and my Facebook's the same. Okay, Uh, that is uh, good to know. I think I might have uh, tagged the wrong person on my promo tonight. I, I tagged oh. somebody, Tyler Wright 7. <laughs> so, oh, I just changed it, so it's probably because my number oh, was just, 7 up until this year. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay, so uh, I'll make sure to use the number 41 the next time. We hope this isn't the last time you visit with us uh, and that you'll be able to come back and visit with us again. Uh, hopefully this won't be your only win. Uh, I, I think you might have some other wins down the road here. Yeah, that's definitely the goal. I think we've got a good shot this weekend, too. Okay, good to know, Tyler. Again, it was really good getting to know you, and we'll look forward to uh, chatting with you uh, when the next time rolls around, okay? Okay, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, All right, pleasure. thanks, Tyler. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, Tyler Rice here on Fan for Racing Radio tonight uh, gave us a really nice interview, um, and uh, he almost sounds like a seasoned guy, Sal. <laughs> oh, he is. I'm telling you, Cher, you go to the track, man. This guy is. He is. He is funny. He is. He is. He's awesome. I'm telling you, man. He's great. Now, I, I mean, I, they go out there. I've they like to have a pictures. good time. Yes, I've seen some pictures huh? of him, and he kind of reminds me of a younger uh, Noah Gregson. Is that a? <laughs> is that weird? You know what? I don't know Noah. Is, I've known I've known Noah a long time, and Noah really wasn't the way Tyler is right now. When 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 Noah oh, okay. was growing up, Noah was a lot more quieter. He Noah got oh, okay. Noah got more the way Noah is after he trucks and got more into racing. But when Noel first started, Noel really wasn't. Tyler is, is man, I'm telling you, man, him and his brother, they are they are crack up to be around. Great family, I mean, <laughs> really good people. They joke around. Uh, they're, they're really neat. I mean, you know what? They're really, really awesome family. Really blessed to well, know what I call them friends. Bringing, exactly. Yeah. Thank you for bringing Tanner, or, well, Tanner and Tyler uh, to the radio show. We really do appreciate it, and we hope we get another chance to talk with them. We are going to move on here to the uh, Cup Series race that took place out at uh, uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway, the Raptor King of Tough 250. Whoops, I'm on the wrong page here. It, it was the Ambar 400. I mean, I'm on the Xfinity Okay, let me bring up the correct race notes here, and we'll talk about this. The Ambetter Health 400 with race winner Joey Logano at the age of 32 driving 
Uh, the Team Penske number 22 Auto Trader Ford uh, for Roger Penske, the team owner, and crew chief Paul Wolf. It was his 32nd victory in 512 Cup Series starts, his first victory and third top 10 finish this season. Uh, this is his first victory and seventh top 10 finish in 19 races at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Brad Keselowski posted a second-place finish, uh, his 10th top-10 finish in 17 races at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and his second top-10 finish in the 2023 season. Christopher Bell posted his second top-10 finish in six races at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and Ty Gibbs was the highest-finishing rookie of this race. It was a pretty dominant day. For Joey Logano and his Ford machine, he definitely maneuvered his number 22 Ford through the final two laps of Sunday's Ambetter Health 400, uh, finishing the race where he started from the front of the field. He got a push from Christopher Bell on the back stretch on the last lap, and Logano moved to the outside of leader Brad Keselowski with a huge momentum, charging past Keselowski's number six Ford into the lead. Uh, Keselowski finished second, followed by the, uh, Christopher Bell, Corey LaJoy, Tyler Reddick, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Eric Jones, Ty Gibbs, and Kyle Busch round out the top ten. Again, Logano started from the pole. He dominated much of the race, winning the first stage and leading 140 laps on the day. However, he had to make a late charge, moving from third on the last lap, getting around Keselowski again for that win. Stage one, again, was won by Logano. Stage two was won by Austin Sendrick. There were 20 lead changes among 13 drivers and five cautions for 34 yellow flag laps. The average speed of this race was 138.8 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top 10 drivers in this race, Sal? You know, it's funny because we, I was, <laughs> I was talking to, uh, um, oh, it doesn't matter now. We're going to the race results. <laughs> but, um, um, Ryan Blaney at, uh, at the clash and we were, we are saying amongst some, some of the media guys around here, we were talking about who's going to be the GOAT for, Penske this year and I and it, you know we all chose Ryan Blaney and it, and as we're looking you know what it, you know Joey Logano he's he'll always be he'll always be the the uh, you know the franchise driver for Penske but you know just yeah. to kind of give Ryan Blaney a little bit of, of of help but you know what um you know Joey continues to to prove you know and and I remember years ago when Joey was first coming up man people just hated they hated Joey. And those people still hate on Joey. You know what? And I, I'm a well, big Joey, fan of Joey. Joey's I, a different I, I, person when he gets behind the wheel than he is. Most of the time you yeah. see him with a big smile on his face when he's outside of the car. But when he gets inside oh, yeah. that car, he becomes a tiger with a growl. Oh, yeah. And he's good with the fans. I mean, he's awesome with the fans. Yeah, You know, he, he always makes time for the fans. You know, but, um, you know, to see him get that way, you know, I, I really wanted Brad so bad. You know, he's... I I think Brad is is trying to play the driver role more than the owner role this year. I think last year, you know, coming into, you know, taking a, you know, coming into the ownership role, I think, you know, he 
he wasn't as focused as he is because now it seems like Brad's a lot more focused, you know, on, um, you know, on the, um, you know, on driving. Even though at the clash when they, when they when they interviewed him, he, you know, they interviewed him in his owner role. But then, of course, you know, he, he took over the driver role. But I really wanted Brad to win. I mean, I thought, I actually thought Brad was going to win Daytona, too. And then, of mm-hmm. course, you know, you got Chris Bell, you know, who's really stepping it up, you know, with JGR um, since Kyle Busch left. You know, it's, you know, it's really him to see, you know, Chris Bell, you know, catch that third spot. And then, you know, Ty Gibbs is coming into his own, you know, finishing ninth, you know. Got mm-hmm. that, um, you know, a what top ten Corey finish. Corey LaJoy, too, you know, up there, you know, in the, in the, you know, getting that fourth spot. But you know what? That 12th, to see Noel Gregson finish 12th, that was, that was huge. The top for 15 Noah was Gregson, huge for that, for that. Did you see the, the video team. of Eric Jones moving up through the field? No, I didn't. But you know what? Oh, I was, was on reading social an media interview. today. It's amazing. I, I, I was reading an interview on um, on Legacy Motorsports, you know what, and, and, you know, just the, you know, the issues that they're having, you know what, and, and you know, and Noah's, you know, expectations, you know, this year, you know, were just, you know, you know, they, they, they changed from, you know, him last, you know, being the, you know, the guy that's going to win all the races, going to win the championship, you know, he's going to be the aggressor and all this, and now he's in the cup, you know what, and he's more taking on a more quieter role, you know what, just try to try to learn the car, but I mean, you know, and they hadn't well. had a good finish, you know. Yeah, they hadn't had a good finish, you know, and it was good to see, you know, to get that top fifteen. You know, of course Ty Gibbs, you know getting doing better at night, you know, than you know, Eric Jones getting the you know you know, the other the other top spot. But yeah, like you said, Corey LaHoy is just man, you know. Um Yeah. But then it's it's a it's a super speedway technically. So, you know, you kind of, you know, that kind of comes into play a little bit, you know, the super speedway thing. A little thing. bit. A little bit. Oh. That's why I said I didn't really, that's why I really didn't didn't say a whole lot on it, but. Um, right. It's a little bit different than the other super speedways, but I, I, I get your point. Uh, the margin of victory was .193 seconds. And, uh, again, there were some accidents in this race, some drivers out on the DVP. B.J. McLeod uh, was out on lap 189 uh, for an accident, as well as Chris Buescher's same accident. Um, Harrison Burton said he came back out on the track. He didn't realize that they had uh, the time had elapsed on the uh, damaged vehicle policy, and he came back out on the track, and, and NASCAR called him back in. Uh, Kevin Harvick uh, was out on lap 190 because of an accident, as was William Byron. Uh, on lap 208, it was Eric Amarola and Kyle Larson out because of an accident. On lap 213, uh, Daniel Suarez was out uh, because of the damaged vehicle policy. Uh, but uh, there were 23 cars this time completing all the laps. Uh, those drivers finishing laps down were Chase Briscoe, Cody Ware, J.J. Yaley, uh, Bubba Wallace, and Ryan Priest all finished the race, but they did finish uh, laps down. Uh, this was a much better race, I thought, 
that we, we were a little bit afraid after watching the trucks in the Xfinity Series race. Only five cautions in this race compared to uh, the the big uh, cautions in the other two events. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, it was. Uh, you know, you know, there's some good finishes there. You know, some. You know, I mean. You know, William Byron, he wants to get all that bad mojo out, you know, got those two wins, and now it's time to get the mojo out, mm-hmm. the bad mojo yep. out, you know, before the, end of season, before the end of the season comes around. Exactly. Let's go ahead and cover the points report, Sal. The points report is, um, of course, because of the penalties last week, you know, don't expect to hear you know, your normal up. driver's. Yeah, it got shook up by a lot. So none of your Hendrick drivers are up in the – are nowhere near the top until – to see what happens with the appeals. If the appeals hold or if they get overturned, then they'll get their spots back. But if not, they're going to stay at the bottom, you know, where they're at. But um, so for right now, we got Joey Logano leading the points. Um, Christopher Bell sitting solidly in second place. And uh, the watermelon man, Ross Chastain in third. Ryan Blaney in fourth, and Brad, Brad Kozlowski sitting fifth. <laughs> Kevin Harvick still holding on in the top ten with the sixth spot. Kyle Busch in seventh with the one win he had at California at Autoport Speedway. And Martin Truex ran off the top eight. And then from there, then we go to the next eight, which is Danny Hamlin, uh, Daniel Suarez, who's got a ton of confidence this season, even in, in yes. his interview. You know, he's got a... And, you know, he's just looking forward, you know, to making the chase and, and making a good run for the championship. And then 11th is Austin Sidrick. 12th is our Daytona 500 winner, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 13th is Chris Boucher. 14th is Corey LaHoy. 15th is Tyler Reddick. And in the 16th spot is uh, Bubba Wallace with um Long 10 points away is uh, A.J. Armandinger. Okay. Uh, yes, the points between first and eighth, the halfway mark there is 32 points uh, separating the top eight drivers. Uh, and here we've got five races just like the Xfinity Series, and uh, uh, this will continue to sort itself out. And as you point out, uh, a lot can happen after the appeal process here for Hendrick Motorsports, uh, Denny Hamlin as well and uh, colleague racing. So we'll wait to hear what's going to happen there, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it on uh, Hot Topics here uh, shortly. So, um, Sal, uh, are you uh, still staying at home, or are you going to be at a racetrack this week? Well, no, I'll be out at Kern with the uh, with the Spears um, SRL Southwest Tour. Okay, awesome, awesome. And uh, any traveling this year for the National Series in SRL? Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm I'm, I'm looking around at some of the races. I've been t- I talked to Derek this past weekend. He's he's uh he's doing the the uh, um, driver de- developmental thing with uh, Jake Bowman, John Moore in the S in the SRL Southwest Tour, and also Jacob Gomes, who was last year's champion. So. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to see what races he's going to run. I know he's going to run Tuesday night in New Hampshire, which I'm not going to make that because it's during the week, which will be the uh-huh. week of the All-Star race. So right. he'll be racing that Tuesday. But um, 
He's got a couple other races coming up. I'll probably catch the All-American 400 again at, uh, at uh, Nashville Fairgrounds. Oh, Nashville. No, in Nashville. Okay. Yeah, I'll probably catch that one again this year. And then, um, of course, you know, the Derby at the end of the season. And, um, you know, we'll talk and, you know, see each other when I can, I can get out to and, uh, and hopefully catch a few uh, – a few uh, Arca East races with uh, with Tyler and uh, with Tyler Rice. Yeah, that would be very cool if you're able to do that. Uh, Sal, uh, we always appreciate you being on the show, and uh, I hope uh, things are progressing well for you. Yeah, they're getting there. I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's it's always a battle, especially if, you know my age. You know, I, I still think I'm 30 years old. You know, that I can just you know, recover in one or two days, you know, and I'm finding it different, you know, it's taking time longer now, you know, and I'm like frustrated. I understand the frustration. You know, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I went and ran around Saturday, you know, at Irondale, but, you know, I I did have to stop, you know, a couple more times, you know, to catch my breath than what I normally do. So, um, you know, I'm just going to continue, you know, my – you know, my progression, you know, and, you know, continue you know, to, to start start exercising more, you know, to, you know, because I got, you know, I got some big races coming up, you know, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to end up in the hospital, you know, away from home. Exactly. Okay, well, thanks again for being here. We really appreciate it. Enjoyed the interview with Tanner uh, Rife, or Tyler Rife. And uh, can't wait to see him race some more throughout the season. Sal, uh, we wish you the best, and we'll look forward to talking to you again next Monday night here at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fan for Racing Radio. All right. Thanks, and everybody have a good evening, have a good weekend, and uh, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks, Sal. Okay. All right. It is good, good night, Sal. We are at the top of the hour, and that means it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew. Uh, only one crew member is here so far, and I believe that is Michael Lorizel. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, it sure is. I guess everyone else is slacking. One of these days, we'll get Jay on the on the line here, and you know he'll grace us with his presence. <laughs> yep, it'll be coming. Okay, but right now to grace us with his presence is uh, Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, what's going on? How are you guys doing? We're doing just great. Uh, how are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Happy to be on tonight. Okay, well, we're always happy to have you. And also joining us uh, and gracing us with his presence is uh, Jay Houston. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, I didn't get to catch as much as the uh, lead-in here tonight. I was actually on the phone, got some more input for one of our hot, hot topics tonight. So, so pumped Ooh. to be here, a lot to talk about. <laughs> well, Jay, I don't usually give you a chance to start first, but tonight I'm going to, we're going to go to Jay, Andy, and then Mike. So you get to pick the hot topic here first. Well, that's even, I appreciate that so much because I wanted to kind of go last on this, so I was hoping I was the one that got to bring it up. Xfinity uh, Series okay. driver Josh Williams parking his car on the start-finish line and walking off and leaving his car in the middle of a race. 
Okay. Uh, Andy, you get first crack at that one. Your thoughts? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike and I were talking about this as it happened in the race on Saturday and uh, found it to be pretty entertaining, to say the least. But um, this was a race, uh, you know, before we get to the Josh Williams incident, this was a race that was highly populated by poor officiating, uh, just really extensive cautions, uh, indecisiveness, uh, just really wasting a lot of time under yellow. And, you know, I know I don't direct a race series, but I certainly can spot good officiating versus bad officiating. Um, I'll use an example of David Hoots, who was very good at officiating the Cup Series for many years, uh, was efficient and got the job done. For whatever reason, there's people that work within NASCAR that still have a lot of learning to do. So anyways, as it pertains to this race, the Xfinity Series race, I, I have to think maybe there was some frustration you know, from the sanctioning body on, on the way the race was being conducted by officiating because a lot of time was being spent under yellow. So poor Josh Williams, who has damage to his right front, you know, has to come in and work on fixing the car. The team puts bear bonds on the right front to try to secure that fender, and unfortunately that tape blew off. And, and NASCAR at that point says, all right, you, you extended the caution, you're done for the day, and, and which I thought was completely out of line and, and completely ridiculous, and so did the team, obviously, because the spotter told Josh, you, you're, you're done for the day, you were supposedly the cause of extending the caution period, so you're, you're done for the day, and obviously Josh was, was upset and mad about it, and, and I don't blame him, you know, at all, so... You know, he said, all right, fine, you want me to park the car, I'm going to park it on the start-finish line, and he walked away, and I think at that moment, he won the support of, I would say, just about any race fan out there, and certainly me, I I was a huge fan of what he did, because, you know, I thought that the way that his team was, was treated was insanely unfair, I mean, in... I said this to Mike on Saturday. If that was Chase Elliott of Hendrick Motorsports, I guarantee they wouldn't park him for a piece of bear bond coming off his car. So I thought it was really poor treatment of Josh and his team. And you know what? Fine. I'll park my car on the start finish line. So I don't blame Josh for what he did. I know there will probably be repercussions from that that we're going to talk about Thursday night. But I don't blame the frustration. I don't blame the way that he handled it. You know, if if you're going to get treated poorly like that, then you then then the sanctioning body deserves the response they got. So, kudos to Josh and that team. And if anything, it garnered some um, some publicity. You know, I think a lot of people probably didn't even know who Josh Williams was before Saturday, and now they do. And and that's team and sponsorship exposure. And you know what? Maybe that's uh, marketing 101 at its finest right there. So, kudos to Josh for what he did. 100% agree with it. And um, I think that, you know, certainly if you're going to get treated like that, then um, that then you need to expect a response like that. All right, Mike. Well, first off, I'll start with some clarification via Bob Pockers. Bob did post an excerpt from the rule book that basically clarified that this was completely within NASCAR's scope of what they could do. The rule book does allow at NASCAR's discretion them to park a car for extending a caution period. However, like Andy said, the precedent is that they almost never exercise that option. 
remember, the 92 team had repaired the car. They did not exceed the damaged vehicle policy. I'm not sure exactly how much time they had left on the clock, but they did not run out the clock there. They were waiting to go green in order to try and make minimum speed to clear the clock, and we would assume to make further repairs on the car. But because some of the bear bond came off of the car and it caused a debris caution immediately following a caution period that took over 20 minutes for the track crew to clean up and get the track back ready to race again, NASCAR decided they were going to park the 92, even though the 92 could have potentially continued in the race there, assuming that they had made minimum speed. And I agree with Andy. I think that this was arbitrary, and I think it was NASCAR taking out some frustration on the unfortunate victim who just happened to be Josh Williams and the number 92 team. I don't think it was fair. I think it was excessive. I think they should have given him a fair opportunity to repair the car like they do with pretty much every other competitor who has a damaged car. This is not the first time that we've seen parts come off of a car because the repair that was done on pit road wasn't sufficient. It happens. It's unfortunate. Teams don't do it intentionally, but it happens, especially when it's 45 degrees out and the adhesive material on that bear bond doesn't stick very well when it's that cold. It's not out of the realm of possibilities that a big chunk of tape like that might not stay stuck on the car. And in this case, it didn't. It's part of racing. The unfortunate thing here is it's kind of a bad look on everyone all around. Yes, Josh Williams kind of he didn't, he didn't actually show the, show the social finger to anybody, but by what he did with the car, it was kind of showing the finger to NASCAR and the officiating decision to park the ni- number 92 for the race. I agree with the decision in so much that it, it, he was absolutely right to be frustrated. I think uh, there, was, there was no reason to park that car, and like Andy said, I can almost guarantee they would not park Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, any of the other major names in the sport – or even in the Xfinity series, they probably wouldn't have parked a junior motorsports or a Joe Gibbs racing car. But because it was a Mario Gosselin car and most likely would not have been competitive for the win, they felt that they were going to be able to park him and get away with it. That's not fair to the team. It's not fair to the driver, the sponsors, all the people who worked so hard to put that car on the track. Even if that car is not competitive to win the race, they put the effort forth to put the car together, show up at the racetrack, make the show, and go out there and try and race and do the very best that they can. And it wasn't fair to them to not get the opportunities that so many other teams get afforded to repair the car. And even if things don't go well with that repair, they get the opportunity to either run out the damaged vehicle clock and then have to park the car or at least run through their options. They did not get to use all their options at this point because NASCAR decided to park that car. So, yes, Josh Williams is most likely going to get a penalty here. Funny enough, before the race was even over, Denny Hamlin tweeted and said he would pay Josh Williams' fine. We don't know what that fine is or even if he's going to be fined at this point or what penalty he might get. But apparently Denny Hamlin has a checkbook out ready to write the check for him because I guess the, the fans weren't the only ones who were supportive of that move. Okay. Yeah, I know when Josh Williams did that, he he gained a lot of new fans. I have a little bit different take on it because, um, and and this is where I'm coming from, I agree with a lot of what you guys have said, both Andy and Mike. However, one thing that I think we need to kind of keep in mind is there was a changing of the guard, if you will, as it comes to, as it relates to uh, the competition director. And uh, with that, I would imagine, comes some personnel changes as well. 
Uh, and I suspect that these guys are through going through a huge learning curve. Uh, and it has, this particular race, it just wasn't pretty. Uh, they did make some mistakes. And uh, I, I think that we're going to see, well, I hope we don't see this kind of thing happen again. The big thing is what they're going to learn from the mistakes that they're making so that they don't keep repeating those mistakes. Uh, but, yeah, these guys, it seems like a lot of people are not prepared uh, for uh, what was happening on the track. And as a result, these cautions are taking a lot longer than they should have been taking. Um, the truck race was a little bit of a mess, too. I know that uh, they – one thing that was happening with them is that they were racing on a green track with all the rain uh, that took place on Friday. They didn't get their practice in. They didn't get their qualifying in. And they, it, they ended up racing on a, um, on a real green track. So I think that played into a lot of that, too. I know they broke the record for cautions in the truck series. Uh, they broke the record for cautions in the Xfinity series as well. Um, relating to Josh Berry, uh, Josh Berry unfortunately got caught up in some of that. Uh, I, I think you're right. They, they might not have called that. Um, well, they would have had to call the caution for any kind of debris on the track. That would have happened no matter who it is. They would have had to call the caution. Um, <clears throat> would they have? Uh, w would there be a penalty for Josh Williams uh, had he not uh, gotten out of his car? Probably not. But he did get out of his car, and it's been told to these guys a lot of times: you're not supposed to get out of your car. Uh, um, at the racetrack, you're supposed to wait for the safety personnel to come and pick you up and bring you into the infield. Uh, he was told to park his car to come into the garage. And, again, I understand his frustration. Uh, it's understandable that he's frustrated. Um, and I know what he did was highly popular with the fans, but he did violate safety precautions by getting out of his car. So I, I do think that NASCAR would be justified in issuing a penalty if it comes. And if Denny Hamlin wants to pay it, that's fine. But um, uh, I, and I understand where you guys are coming from. I do. I get it. But I do think that uh, uh, he had no business getting out of his car either. So uh, I do think that a penalty would be in line here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I don't think there's a... There's, you know, any driver who's gotten out of the car uh, in a situation like that has received a penalty. So I think that that's understandable. Uh, but I do think that in in I'm not excusing it because for a professional series, uh, these guys should know what they're doing. And it's become painfully clear that there's uh, people who don't seem to really know what they're doing. Uh and, and I'll bring up another issue later where it seems like the wrong call was made as far as the uh, lineup. But I, I do think that there might be a learning curve here that we might have to be, I don't want to say patient with, but maybe understanding of uh, is maybe more of the word I'm looking for here uh, because these guys really should know what they're doing if they're going to be doing this. 
or they need to get people in there that do know what they're doing to help these guys as they go through that learning curve. But, Jay, I'm really, really curious uh, as to what your thoughts are. Well, between the three of you, it took 15 minutes, and I was trying to even separate my thoughts here between two parts of this. I'll start with the rule itself. The rule is there. NASCAR enforced it. I, to me, the argument's over. Uh, whether you feel they would penalize a top team, whatever, doesn't matter. The rule is there. They were given the opportunity, and that this has been in play for several years now, of you got one opportunity whether it be five minutes, seven minutes, whatever, to fix your car and get it runnable at minimum speed without parts and pieces flying off, um, which is something fans and officials and drivers asked for. They wanted that. They were tired of having these debris cautions because cars were out there running in their way, losing parts, not maintaining speed. So this was asked for, and now they have it and aren't happy with it. Um, the aspect of whether or not it would have happened to a top-tier team, uh, I kind of disagree with that because, to me, if NASCAR wants to make a point, and I feel like they'd be more to try and help these underfunded teams because there are only a select number of top teams and they want to have a competitive series, they actually do more to try and help these smaller teams, uh, in my opinion. So, And I think if, if they're going to enforce a rule to – I think it was Mike that said it, of do it to a lower-tier team and get away with it because they'll just park and go on their way, doesn't even send the message because everybody's like, oh, they wouldn't do it to a top team, so we can go ahead and get away with it. If NASCAR was really trying to make a point, hey, we're going to enforce this rule no matter who it is, it would have to be to a top-tier team. Nobody pays attention until it is a top-tier team. So I don't think that's the case. Now, with that, was it a necessary call? If it was just the tape, and I listened to this on the radio and watched the, the broadcast when I got home. Uh, actually, I think I watched the Xfinity one this morning. Um, I don't know if it was actually just the tape or the fender that went with it. Just the tape, I understand you could give some leeway, being that it was cold and the tape wasn't sticking. However, we saw other teams prepared, heating that tape up before they put it on, making sure it was secure. So... There again, you got teams that are handling the same problem. You need to step up your game. And I'll wait now to address the possible penalty on the second go-round. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, I just, you know, with regards to Josh probably getting a penalty, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's deserved, obviously. He's you know, exiting a vehicle on an active racetrack and then walking through the grass. I mean, we have safety rules in place that are supposed to deter that. So he'll get something this week, and and I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve it. I mean, what he did was, you know, certainly against the rules. So I don't I don't disagree with that. So whatever he gets will be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets parked for a week or two. Um, I don't even know what the repercussions are from from something like that, but. Um, you know, to to say that, that his penalty was warranted, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times we've seen tape blow off cars or, or fenders or rear bumper covers and nothing happens. So, you know, if whether it's in the rule book or not, which apparently it is, so I'm not going to dispute that. So let's say that the rule's in the rule book and NASCAR enforced it. 
that's fine. NASCAR needs to be more consistent if they're going to be really serious about this because I can't tell you how many times recently we've seen stuff fly off cars and nothing gets done about it. So if they, you know, they enforce the rule this time around, that's, that's totally fine. I have no issue with that since it is in the rule book. But be consistent because inconsistency is something that drives me absolutely insane, which is NASCAR these days. So it is what it is. Okay. Uh, Mike? Well, Jay brought up the point about um, having the one opportunity to fix the car and that's all you get. Well, yes and no. That's what the damaged vehicle policy clock is for. The 92 team did not run out of time. I'm not sure how much time they had left on the clock, whether they had enough left where they could have come back down pit road or not, but that's kind of irrelevant. They still had or should have the opportunity to make minimum speed with or without the tape. Is the car going to run faster with the tape on it? Probably. It'll be a little bit more aerodynamic, but if they don't have the time to try and repair the car uh, because of the DVP clock, they still have the opportunity, if they make minimum speed, to go back and do more repairs on the car. Because NASCAR parked them, they lost the opportunity to even attempt to make minimum speed, to clear the clock, to repair the car, to be able to potentially continue in the race. Still, like Andy said, it's within NASCAR's purview, per the rule book, to do it. They just don't tend to do it most of the time because we do see it fairly commonly where parts and pieces do come off of these cars, even still being worked on within the boundaries of the existing damaged vehicle policy. So this is kind of a rare penalty that we see enforced here. Even though it's part of the rule book, it's a NASCAR's discretion kind of thing, and NASCAR tends to err on the side of not parking cars, except in this case where they did. That's kind of the, the contention there. With regard to the actions of Josh Williams, Black and white, yes, he broke several rules, exiting the vehicle and whatnot. Uh, He's probably going to catch a penalty for actions detrimental to stock car racing or something along those lines. But what's really going to not work well for him, the one thing NASCAR hates more than anything else is being made to look bad. And even though Josh Williams was in the wrong from a rules and even a sportsmanship standpoint, I think from a public relations standpoint, Josh Williams won that battle, regardless of what the penalty comes down on. And NASCAR kind of ended up looking like the loser with a little bit of egg on their face there. And I think that's probably going to bode poorly for Josh Williams when the penalty decision comes in probably tomorrow, if not Wednesday. Yeah, I agree with you guys that they should be consistent uh, in enforcing the rules. Again, I think these guys are are – going through some kind of learning curve or something, I don't know. But I know last year I remember seeing Chase Elliott, the most popular driver, driver on the track with a bunch of stuff hanging from his car and falling off of it, and they did not call call him in. Um, I, I, I do think that they need to be more consistent with the way that they're calling these calls. Um, but the fact remains he was on the track. He did lose parts and pieces uh, from his car, and they are forced to call it caution when there's debris on the track. There's no doubt about that. If there's debris on the track, they have to call the caution. Now, if they called him back in uh, because he lost that debris and he chose not to come in, uh, that's, that's not on NASCAR either. He made a, a decision not to come in uh, when he's being called in, or he made a decision to park it on the start-finish line uh, instead of bringing the car in. So, again, that's that's 
his decision. That's not NASCAR making that happen. That's him. So he lost his opportunity. Um, I, I don't know if they were calling him in to park him or if they were calling him in to get the repairs taken care of in the garage. He was parked. Uh, the call from NASCAR was the 92 is parked. He's done for the day. So, no, he he was not being called to make more repairs of the car. He was done. Oh, okay. Well, the, then um, – there, there was probably a reason for that. What that is, I'm not sure. But uh, I do think that um, NASCAR needs to be more consistent with their calls uh, on those situations on the racetrack. Now, part of that might be, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, might be because he is a lower-funded team, uh, maybe they were trying to save him some money uh, versus spending more money and getting nowhere. I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate there. But just uh, just a thought uh, to think about. Uh, but, Jay, what's your follow-up? Well, I'll touch a little bit more on that call itself before I go into uh, the possible penalties and whatnot. Um, the fact that it came off immediately upon following a repair. I think a lot of examples that have been given have been after they've gone back to race conditions, they are off the damage repair clock and they're back under race conditions, back to beating and bagging, rubbing the wall. And so thus there was more damage that created or caused came from the previous one. This was your immediate repair did not work. And I feel that's why NASCAR made the call. Um, with us now to regard Josh Williams, and what he did, here's where my problem comes in. My problem comes with the inconsistency of fans and people that are supporting Josh Williams. I appreciate their support to him. However, when Kyle Busch parked his car and walked away, he was called a baby, having a temper tantrum, thinking he's bigger than the sport and all that, and people bashed on him for it. But they want to support Josh Williams. The action was the same. We've talked about announcers. We've talked about broadcasters. Be a professional. Don't let the outside world get into your head. Act like you've been there before. He did not, and I like him. I've always rooted for him. I wanted to see him get into the playoffs last year. But this was a case of what he did wasn't appropriate, and I don't like the fact that it's based on who they are versus what they did. Why is it Kyle Busch does it and he's called a baby throwing a temper tantrum and Josh Williams gets a standing ovation? That's where my frustration comes in. It is the inconsistency from fans. I understand NASCAR maybe should have, like I said, there could have been the exception made. It was extremely cold there in Atlanta. The tape obviously was not working just as is. But there again, everybody was in that same boat. Other teams made it work. And I think in the movie Days of Thunder, his crew chief tells him, hey, Daryl Waltrip's out there running with his tires. You've got to make your tires work. Y'all got the same situation. Most of the teams made it work. Did you want to talk about the penalty? Uh, yeah, well, I do think that the penalty's coming in. Uh, yes, thank you, Sharon. Um, I was on the phone there uh, before calling in with Amanda and Raymond McAlpin from Jackson Motor Speedway. Yeah, if that were the case, as a track owner, promoter, you're put in a position where you have to penalize them. Kind of like we talked about with Denny Hamlin. You're putting them in a box. They have to respond. If I recall correctly, going back to Kyle Busch's situation, 
it is going to be a monetary fine. However, that was off in the garage, not out on the track where it caused an even more extensive delay and not quite as big of the, say, middle finger to NASCAR itself um, for doing so. So I possibly see a suspension coming. Um, Raymond and, and Amanda said that they probably would for a week tell them not to come back. So that is a possibility, but based on precedence there, if I recall correctly from Kyle Busch's situation, it will be a monetary fine. And obviously they had a, a talk with him already immediately after. He wasn't even allowed to do media interviews. He went directly to to jail. Uh, don't pass go. Go directly to the NASCAR hauler. Yep. Okay, Andy, you get to bring up our next hot topic here. Well, on the subject of penalties, Denny Hamlin has now decided to appeal his penalty from last week's thoughts. Okay, Mike? I I didn't listen to the podcast where he discussed it. Apparently, there was some disagreement between him and JGR. He initially wanted to appeal it. JGR said, no, we're, we're not appealing it, and then... Some circumstances changed. I'm not sure exactly what the details are. I think it had to do with the official penalty notice from NASCAR. They went line by line on it, and Danny believes that what he was penalized for does not line up with what was listed on the actual penalty report. I'm not sure. Like I said, this I didn't listen to his podcast where he supposedly went through it and gave his specific reasons for the appeal. With all that said, good luck. I don't think he's going to be successful in this one. I feel like it's pretty cut and dry, and if for no other reason, then he's the guy who admitted he did it in the first place. So he's got to, he's got to work against his own words to try and appeal this penalty. I really doubt that the appeal is going to go anywhere, and I certainly hope that it doesn't. In fact, I hope they – because the appeal board can strengthen the penalty as well. It, it, an appeal of a penalty reopens the book. So they can decide that the penalty did not meet what the rule book sets forth as far as what the penalty should be in that circumstance. It is within the boundaries of what NASCAR sets forth for an L3 penalty like that. So it could most likely be a, a, a no, your penalty is upheld and there's no further changes. I'm expecting that's going to be the result of this. But I am interested to see what the case on this one is because at least from my standpoint, my non-lawyerly, just watching racing on TV standpoint, it sounds like Denny Hamlin pretty much shut the book on himself when he flat out admitted that that's what he did. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and step in here. Uh, we do do an announcement at this time of the night uh, for our show because we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, and that means uh, you're going to hear us go off the air while we're still talking. Just know, especially for our first-time listeners, that we are going to record that part of the conversation, and it will be available on our podcast as bonus overtime material. So I'll go out on Twitter and Facebook to let you know when the podcast is available. And uh, once that gets processed, then you'll be able to fast forward to that two-hour mark and uh, hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, Again, don't want anybody to be caught off guard and not know what to do or how to hear the rest of the conversation. So we make this announcement at this time. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, this one, it it really throws me, and it seems like based on the, not just, I'd say, fan support that I know, Sharon, you mentioned, it seems like a lot of fans were supporting Denny Hamlin, but also some within the industry, whether it be reporters, broadcasters, 
Uh, I don't. I didn't hear about the whole deal between him and the team owner uh, JGR, but I think he kind of garnered some support there. And even prior to the race here on Sunday, Tony Stewart and Clint Boyer kind of both backed him up. Tony Stewart, especially as a as a track owner, uh, series promoter, kind of appalled me that he was saying, "Hey, it was done. The race was over. It shouldn't. You know, they made their decision when they didn't penalize him at the track." But uh, again, you come out and outright admit you cheated or did this, and it was wrong. I don't see how they can not uh, take action. Uh, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, if I go in and rob a bank and they say, okay, we can't catch the guy, I come out and admit it, they're still going to come get me. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't just uh, say, yeah, I did it, but because it happened yesterday, you can't, can't come get me. So I, I'm with Mike. I see it being upheld. Uh, the possibility, if it were me, I think it should have been a little bit stiffer, but um, that's not my decision. I don't see the rules board with them being reopened, as Mike said, upping it, because I think at that point they'd say, hey, if this is what NASCAR said, they were right in enforcing the rule. That's what they set the penalty at. We're not going to maximize it more because they're sufficient with that being the penalty. Um, but it is a possibility, so we'll, we'll have to see yeah, I think there's a lot of people trying to influence uh, public opinion on this. And, I, you know, Denny has a lot of fans. I do think that uh, we've had situations where people have admitted that they did something on purpose and NASCAR responded to it. Uh, maybe they didn't do it the next day or the next few days. They did it. And I think that when Denny Hamlin went on his podcast and made those comments, he opened the door for a penalty. Uh, and I think the part of the penalty is influencing the outcome of a race. He chose to take, uh, and he said this, he wanted Ross Chastain to go backwards with him. He knew he was going to go backwards, and he was taking Ross Chastain with him. Uh, he admitted that he was the uh, uh a little bit, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to use his word, I'm just going to say D.A., uh, that went as many spots back as Ross Chastain did uh, by making that move. So he did take himself and Ross Chastain out of the race, and he admitted to doing exactly that. So where he thinks that he is, um, and when you influence the outcome of a race, that is detrimental to the sport. So where he thinks that uh, the penalty does not fit the crime, I'm not sure that I get that point um, because he said it himself uh, that he influenced the outcome of that race. Ross Chastain was running in the top ten when he made that decision. So he ended up uh, finishing like 24th or 23rd or 24th. So I do think that uh, Hamlin – uh, influence the outcome of that race. I don't see how an appeal board could see it any other way. It doesn't matter uh, that he said it days, uh, a day or two after that. Uh, he said it publicly, and that is detrimental to this sport. Any time that you admit that you influence the outcome of that race, so I see him getting the penalty. Uh, I agree with Jay. I don't think it was harsh enough, but I do think that if Denny Hamlin, uh, for whatever reason, uh, should decide that to do something like that again, it should be harsher on him. 
uh, or if he does something blatantly on the track to influence the outcome of the race, then NASCAR should punish him, and it should be a stiffer penalty. Um, so I I do think that if, if there's a repeat here, uh, that NASCAR is going to escalate that penalty. Uh, so, yeah, I don't get it. Uh, I understand that people are being supportive of Denny Hamlin. He's part of a bigger community there. And I get that NASCAR is a is a, a very supportive community in a lot of ways. But when you violate NASCAR's policies, there's a price to be paid. And I, I said it before, and I'll say it again. Pete Pistone said it correctly. There is freedom of speech, but it doesn't mean that you're free from consequences from that freedom of speech. So, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, that's the key here. You know, admission of guilt is what took place on the podcast last week. If, uh, you know, he was worried about not being penalized. He should never have admitted, you know, for everyone to hear that he intentionally wrecked Chastain. So um, I don't see how you can admit something like that and then get penalized and then, you know, backtrack and say that you didn't do anything wrong. It's mind-boggling, really, the admission of guilt is out there for everyone to see. So um, I think the penalty will be upheld as it should be, you know, and it's, it's, it's really silly because it was totally preventable by just not talking about it. <clears throat> so in my mind, you know, he fessed up to something voluntarily and NASCAR was in my mind forced to give him a penalty. I think that incident could have very easily been seen as a racing incident if no one ever talked about it, I don't think there would have been a penalty, nothing, because, you know, because of the fact that it was, it, it really didn't look like anything crazy happened. It looked like the two cars got up into the fence and that was that. So, um, you know, had nothing been said, there wouldn't have been a penalty. We wouldn't even be talking about it right now. But, you know, it was, it was his own admission of guilt that put him in the position that he's in. So, I don't see how NASCAR is going to suddenly retract that penalty. Um, I don't even see a reduction. In fact, what he got was really a slap on the wrist anyway. So, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I would suspect that there will be no changes um, from the appeals commission. Mike? I can't help but wonder if the support that Denny's getting from within the industry has a lot to do with who the victim here in this is. It's pretty obvious that nobody likes Ross Chastain. Everybody hates him. They, they look at yesterday with the incident with Kevin Harvick, how quick everyone was to jump. Oh, Ke- Ross Chastain wrecked Kevin Harvick. And then they look at the video, and it becomes pretty obvious that, yeah, Ross is right on his bumper, but it's a super speedway. That's kind of what you do. He never made contact with the four. So there was a lot of backpedaling of, oh, well, Maybe maybe Ross really didn't wreck him this time. It was this time. Every other time Ross wrecked him, but not this time. So I'm wondering if this was anybody other than Ross Chastain that Denny Hamlin took out, if people would be as supportive. If he took out, say, Christopher Bell, I guess you wouldn't take out a teammate, but you know what I mean. Somebody other than Ross Chastain, I can't help but think that maybe people wouldn't be as supportive of Denny Hamlin as they are in this circumstance. Either way, I expect this penalty to be upheld, and I really hope that they do. Okay. Yeah, and, and I said I'm with Mike. I didn't hear the hear the uh, br- uh, podcast of where he went through it, like you said, line by line. 
if it is overturned, it's going to be one of those of a wording technicality, which would be a real shame um, to see that happen. I didn't like it when it happened with uh, HMS last year um, under the deal with William Byron. But we did see the example there where they did up, they took away the points because they said the way it was worded, NASCAR couldn't take away points, um, but did up, up the money. So maybe we see that, um, if anything. Um, there is that slight possibility it does get overturned based on the technicality of wording, which uh, it seems like that maybe is where Denny Hamlin is trying to, to go as well. Um, it'd be unfortunate. I mean, and again, it's out there. We know what he did. We know what he said. I think most of us feel that it was wrong, at least here on Fan for Racing. Apparently, the mass broadcast or group of fans don't, um, which I don't understand because a lot of people aren't particularly big Denny Hamlin fans, again, based on actions. And that, you know, Mike mentioned it. It's your reputation. Kyle Busch has it. I understand why people go against him. Ross Chastain has it for being the aggressive driver. Um, and, it, you know, it was during the broadcast that Clint Boyer and, uh, all of them up there said, said it. Hey, we jumped the gun. Uh, Ross did not hit him, or I'm trying to think how Tony Stewart said it. Of He may have bumped him, but it was not a take him out, run him over type of move. Just, you know, happened to be a bump at the wrong spot or in the wrong way. And they're not even sure if he really did. It looked more like an arrow thing. Even Kevin Harvick said it. Um, you know, Harvick was one as well as Tony Stewart as the car owner of the number four team said, yeah, I mean, that – even if it was contact, it wasn't a take me out. I'm going to be mad. You know, I owe you one type deal. Just happened. Yeah, I'm one of the few people that like Ross Chastain, and I'm sure it has to do with my history with him. Uh, he's been on our radio show a number of times when he was with JD Motorsports, and he's a very likable kind of guy. Uh, every time I've ever seen him at the track, he's got a smile on his face. But he's a little bit like Danny, like uh, Joey Logano. When he gets behind the wheel of a car, he's a competitor, and he's an aggressive competitor, no doubt about it. Um, but uh, and I, I do think some of that was a learning curve for for Ross Chastain coming into the Cup Series, uh, and I know he's been there for a while. Uh, but the drivers. Uh, Denny Hamlin in particular, I think, is really jealous of him because of what happened at Martinsville. And I think his comments about taking his hands off the wheel was a direct jab at uh, Ross Chastain when he said he took his hands off of the wheel. Tell me that's not actions detrimental to the sport. Um, And uh, uh, decided to take Ross Chastain uh, back in the field with him. Uh, I, I I do think that they will uphold the policy. Uh, I don't know what words could be manipulated uh, for that to not be a, a penalty, uh, but we'll see what happens. He did go by line by line. He said he got up the next morning, he saw the penalty, uh, the, the email from NASCAR with the exact penalty. He went line by line through it with his uh, group at uh, JGR, and they agreed that he should go ahead and try to appeal it. Um, so he's going to try to appeal it. Uh, it'll be interesting. There's, a, of course, that always that possibility that he'll find something uh, that you know maybe somebody would agree with him on. But I, I don't. I don't personally see it. Um, in in uh, the penalty or the words in the penalty 
and the actions that Denny Hamlin took and the words that he said about intentionally wrecking um, Ross Chastain. So we'll see what happens. It's, it's, we'll have a lot to talk about again on Thursday night, I'm sure. Andy? Yeah, not much to really follow up on on this one. As you said, Sharon, I, I do believe that we'll be revisiting this uh, Thursday, whether the penalties upheld or if it's rescinded. Okie doke. Uh, Mike, you get the next hot topic. So Atlanta Motor Speedway reconfigured their pit road for this past weekend's race. Uh, they didn't change any of the pavement, but they changed the pit road entry from where it used to be uh, coming out of turn four going onto the front stretch. They moved the entry and commitment line and, importantly, the pit road speed line all the way back to the end of the back stretch entering turn three. And I'm wondering what everyone thinks about it, having seen it in action in three races this past weekend. Okay, real quick, uh, is that on the board? No, I don't think it is. I, I know we talked about it in the uh, the race chat, but I'm not sure if any of us put it up as an actual hot topic. Okay. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts about that uh, long road into pit road? Well, with this now being a super speedway style race and the pack race and everything like that, I think NASCAR felt like that was the – best decision to try and make to prevent um, issues with them trying to lock up and drop off. Again, when you're talking about normally with the, the that style of racing, you're at a 2.5 or 2.66 mile track, not a mile and a half. Um, so I think they were trying to get ahead of the game. I'm surprised actually, especially with a lack of practice. I know some of the drivers did it during their qualifying lap um, to work on it that we didn't see more issues. Um, there were some where you get caught because with the length of it now, you were, I think they said you'd lose almost two and a half laps um, by pitting under green. We didn't necessarily see that come into play. You know, the cautions when they come out can be a major factor in that, and that's just luck of the draw, if you will. Uh, I was surprised we didn't see more issues with it. I didn't see a whole lot more as far as speeding penalties or anything like that. So, I think the drivers handled it well, um, quickly accustomed to it, which, again, they're at the top levels of, of racing, so they're professionals, supposedly, um, and handled it well. Uh, there might still be that one or two. And, again, we didn't necessarily see an ill-timed caution where it really, really hosed somebody, um, but we may still see that in the future. But I think NASCAR did the right thing in trying to prevent a big deal happening, again, by having a – crash with somebody trying to jam on the brakes and get into the corner and pull down to pit road at such a high speed. Okay, Andy? Yeah, I kind of have the same or similar viewpoint to that. I think that given that Atlanta is now essentially a super speedway race, uh, if you look at the way they would come off turn four, they don't have that wide uh, sweeping entrance like like Daytona and Talladega has, where you've got this huge wide paved area to make your entrance to pit road. You don't really have that. It's a bit of an abrupt entrance, and I think that you know had things been left the way that they were, there probably would have been problems and, and some potential crashes. Now I don't recall that there was an issue last year. I, I just don't remember, but. You know, I don't think it's a bad change. Uh, I did think that there were going to be more speeding penalties because of 
the fact that the the length of the road, the pit road, was was drastically increased. With it being, I think, the longest pit road on the circuit, you know, I thought that that could potentially lend itself to um, to more speeding penalties and more issues. I but I don't think that there was anything more than what you normally would see on a race weekend. So um, <clears throat> don't necessarily think it was a bad change, and um, probably a better scenario than than you know keeping it the way that it had been. Yeah, I would agree. You know, keeping in mind that when they did the reconfiguration at Atlanta, they really narrowed the track. So that's why it's, it would have been such an abrupt uh, entry into Pitt Road, uh, especially for a fast track that uh, that Atlanta Motor Speedway has become. Uh, so I think giving them that longer uh, travel time to get to Pitt Road uh, was a good idea. I think it was very prudent. They also changed the uh, damaged vehicle policy for this particular race. I think it's normally six or seven minutes, and they uh, said that for this race they were increasing that to eight minutes for the damaged vehicle policy. So, And they did that because of the length of the uh, entryway into Pitt Road. So, uh, again, I agree with you guys. I think it was the prudent thing to do. Uh, I know a lot of drivers were worried coming into this race uh, how they would do with that, especially not having the practice time or, you know, that they would normally get, um, that they had a plan to get uh, because of the rain on Friday. Uh, it really, they had minimal issues with it, I thought. Mike? Well, I agree with you guys, and I, I agree with NASCAR's reasoning as well. It was unsafe, or at least potentially unsafe, for cars to make the dive for pit road coming off of turn four, peeling out of the pack at speed and trying to make that, that turn in. I don't think we had any issues with it last year, but there was definitely the potential for some major issues there. With that said, I think that they, they fixed one safety issue, but they introduced another one. If you watched yesterday – when there were cars on that pit road access apron or whatever you want to call it, that, that area from turn three entry all the way to pit road, it was alarming how slow they were compared to the pack going by. And at most other races, when you have a car going that slowly on the apron, that usually brings out a yellow. And the reason for that is because of the speed differential between the car moving slowly on the apron versus the rest of the racing pack at speed. We're talking about 45 miles an hour for the pit road speed limit versus a pack of 30-something cars doing 180 or better. If somebody gets loose and wrecks going into turn three at 180-ish, and they collect that, that driver doing 45 on the pit access road, that could be extremely dangerous. I think it was a smart move to change the pit entry, but I think something else needs to be done there. Maybe look into building some kind of a protected access road or something. I'm not sure. If you look at it, just on the inside of that turn three and four wall there is a bunch of motorhome parking spots and whatnot. So theoretically, they could build something there, but it would cost them some parking spots. I'm not sure what they want to do, but I would like to see it protected a little bit better in the interest of the safety of the drivers driving through to go to pit road. My other concern is more of an operational and competition concern here. During the green flag pit stops that we had yesterday during the Cup Series race, everyone who pitted was losing two laps. As they would come in, 
they would lose two laps to the leaders, and then as more people pitted, then obviously it cycled through. The problem with this would be if there was a caution in the middle of that green flag pit stop cycle, they could theoretically pin 20 or 30 cars one lap down. You can't take the wave around for two laps. Even if you just – normally if a caution comes out after you just pitted and you're still a lap down, you can take the wave around, pass the pace car, and get back at the tail end of the lead lap. That option wouldn't exist at Atlanta for these cars that were tracked two laps down. They could take the wave around, get back on one lap down, and now they're racing for that uh, position if the caution were to come back out. From a competition standpoint, I see that as, as less than ideal. I'm not sure what the solution to that is because even if they do build an access road to that pit road, it's still a very long way to go at pit road speed in order to get there. Maybe raise the speed limit on the access road and put the pit road speed line somewhere closer to the actual pit road service area. I'm not sure what that solution would be, but going into the July race at Atlanta and probably no later than the next year's spring race at Atlanta, I really hope that NASCAR readdresses this and takes a look at the potential safety issue as well as how the competition could potentially be affected by an ill-timed caution during a green flag pit cycle. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? Well, that's kind of what I was alluding to. We didn't get, we didn't have that situation develop, but Mike's right. Uh, but on the other side of it, it's no different than a short track, say, like Martinsville. Same thing there. If you decide to short pit or pit early, you're going to lose two or three laps. If the caution comes out at the wrong time, you're down multiple laps versus um, just one. So uh, I guess that's one they may have to deal with. I do agree with what he was saying, though, of say from turns three into turn four to the front stretch where the pit lane actually starts, um, maybe have that a in-between speed. Well, you've got to be below the line and committed to coming and down on the apron, but the speed doesn't have to hit the 55 or 50, whatever pit lane speed is, until you get to the front stretch. Um, and I hadn't really thought about it from the safety aspect of the great change then between trick cars on the track that if they were to slide down, I know normally in that case they'd slide up to the wall first and come down slower, but definitely could be a safety situation. But I would also like to see it where you don't quite lose that. But as Mike was talking, I, I, I had to think, I was like, on a short track, it's no different. You go down two, possibly three laps, depending on the uh, the track. Um, and they've just got to deal with it, I guess. But there are some ways it could be tweaked to maybe improve it to eliminate that. Okay, Andy. Yeah, like I said, just, you know, I thought it was a positive change. I didn't really see an issue with, with the new pit road. I think you can see why they did it from a safety standpoint. So probably not a bad change. And um, ultimately it, it probably did lend itself to, to less accidents and incidents because the, the previous design, I think, probably lent itself to there being some issues. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. I think we've covered it pretty well as far as uh, what the potential problems are and and um, <laughs> potential um, uh, remedy is is a little bit more difficult. But I do think that they did the right thing, and uh, we'll see if they're able to make any other tweaks to it to make it even better. Uh, again, I don't have a whole lot to add. Mike, you get the final word. 
Atlanta's still very much a work in progress. Remember, they just rebuilt this place last year. This is the second year running on the new configuration. And by changing pit road, it's obvious that NASCAR is saying that, yeah, we're still looking at ways to make this place a little bit better. So continue to massage it, continue to improve the process. While you're at it, lay the whip across the guys who are in charge of clearing the racetrack during the truck and Xfinity races. But I think from a safety and competition standpoint, there's still some work to be had at Atlanta Motor Speedway, now the world center of sports entertainment. Okay. Um, Okay, we're kind of coming up on the top of the hour, so I'm going to go ahead and do the roundtable at this point. Jay, why don't you go first? You can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8, on Twitter and Instagram. I mentioned how cold it was at Atlanta. It was just as cold at Jackson Motor Speedway this past weekend, so I was glad You're I was able to come on here and voice it. Yeah, it was, a, it was a cold city raceway, I'll tell you that. Um, but we'll be back in action with the Mississippi State Championship Challenge through Super Late Models this weekend, hoping for a little bit warmer weather. Okay, Andy? CB14 fan on Twitter, and uh, as always, good to be back tonight, and I am hopeful to be back on Thursday. Okay, Mike. Mike underscore is L on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. I will take this opportunity to make a quick plug. I was on North Wilkesboro Speedway's webpage today buying my parking passes, and I noticed they had tickets for sale. I'm not sure how many. I'm not even sure if they're still available. But if you're interested in going to the NASCAR All-Star Race this uh, coming May at North Wilkesboro Speedway, keep an eye on North Wilkesboro's website. They may still have some tickets available for you to have an opportunity to go. Okay, good deal. I know they did some testing uh, there today, they'll be doing some more testing there tomorrow, so I'm kind of anxious uh, to read up on that and how the drivers felt about racing there. Uh, I'm sure it had to have a, a little bit of a mystique to it, uh, given the history of North Wilkesboro. So uh, I am Banfor Racing site on Twitter, Banfor Racing blog and radio on uh, everywhere else on social media, and then also our website, com, where we have our player for our Fan for Racing radio uh, show. So you can listen to both the live broadcast as well as the podcast at that location. And uh, a big thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you taking time to hear what we have to say uh, and hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy doing it. We did have Tyler Reif on the show earlier tonight. I did ask him, are we pronouncing his last name correctly, Jay? And he told me that we are. So I know Arca says it's Reef, uh, but he told me it is Rife. So um, I uh, it was a pretty good little interview. Uh, he won the race out at uh, uh, Phoenix Raceway. He said he's raced that track before, and he's looking forward to coming back, needless to say. Uh, but he gave a really good interview uh, for somebody who's new in the sport. And uh, we learned a few things about where he's getting a little bit of help from, too, especially out there at uh, Phoenix Raceway. So if you get a chance to listen to that, uh, uh, I'll give you a hint. It is a NASCAR Cup Series driver. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to that, uh, we talked to him during our third half hour of the show here tonight. And uh, I hope everybody gets a chance to listen. Jay and I will be back on air this Thursday night for the preview show. And uh, we're definitely looking forward to that. 
Uh, we start at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, we hope you'll join us again for Hot Topics, at, uh, not only for the preview part of the show, but for the Hot Topics at 10 o'clock as well. So with that, guys, I think we're ready to call it a night here on Fanfare Racing Radio, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to everybody on Thursday. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.